Hey, everybody. Welcome back to X's for Show, your favorite media response show. I'm warning you right now, we are still in your timeline, right? We're still living in your 616 or Earth 1, wherever you need to be. But we will be referring to the thing we're covering today as the Maya Lopez Show. For the sake of everybody's smart devices, I am Nico, and you can check me out at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And as somebody who committed to Google, abandoned Google, and only kind of uses the Apple version, I can say echo as much as I want. <laughs> I'm TK, and you can echo my sentiments at TK Elemental. <laughs> And I'm your producer, Kevo, at Kevo Really, and I have my television muted, so theoretically I can say the word echo, and we will see how it goes. Well, it turns out how it went was damn good. Uh, we are here to talk about Echo, one of the most exciting projects for me from the Marvel Studios television oeuvre. Um, you know, if if this show were a breakfast dish, it would be one egg because in France, this show is a noof. Okay. I'm so happy with that. I didn't get booed off the show. I really loved Echo. Um, you know, I can't wait to get into it. Uh, but I believe we have a, a special guest to uh, experience this uh, experience with. So I would love to bring on the Billy Clubs, uh, Daredevil's own. Uh, Tori to the stage. Hey, Tori, welcome to the stage. Hi, fellas. Thank you for having me. My name's Tori. You can find me on all of your socials at SMTori. That's Tori with an I. And I am so excited to talk about this show because I watched it like a week ago and I haven't shut up about it. Same. Same. Uh, so I am having such big, hungry energy for this show. Oh, hey, Peak Jonah. Hey, Jonah. Uh, hey, Jonah. Hi, Jonah. Big hungry energy for this show because this show is just absolutely uh, kind of um, delicious nonsense uh, that wound up being perfect. It almost feels like the threads shouldn't come together right, but that they do is so beautiful. It really exemplifies how storytelling can be pretty clearly unintentional and wind up beautiful. And I can't wait to talk about that. But you know, I wanna I wanna start off with a quick question and please respond to that that prompt as uh as it comes to you guys. But uh, our opening question, as always, uh to stimulate things here is gonna appear on the board in a second. And today's opening question is who is your favorite Marvel TV character that you wanna see uh, appear in the films? Uh who do you think is ready to make that transition? And I'm gonna put a, a kind of wacky one out there. I would really love to see someone from the Defender Saga get redeemed, maybe uh, in Shang-Chi or maybe in a really cool project with Wong. Uh, it's unfortunate Ooh. that I'm going to suggest either Elektra, Madame Gao, or uh, Iron Fist. And I can really only think about um, Asian-influenced corners of the Marvel, Marvel Universe that I'm interested in. I'm not disinterested in Doctor Strange, but he doesn't excite me the way Wong does, the way uh, Shang-Chi's magic excites me. So it does unfortunately sound like I am asking the Asian community to continue to fix unfortunate uh, appropriation of Asian identities. But they've done such a beautiful job, they being Marvel, have done such a beautiful job creating a corner of the Marvel Universe that feels exciting and i would really love to see any of these misused characters uh get to see their beautiful due in the world of the films how about you guys 
Can Iron Fist's Davos be on your list? Is that someone that you'd be open to seeing? Because, you know, Sasha Dewan is so hot right now. So uh, Sasha Dewan is so hot every minute of Sasha Dewan's goddamn life. So. Yeah. If we could get Iron Fist and just plop on Alyssa Wong's wonderful story arc for the next Iron Fist, I'll take it in a heartbeat. Uh, I like Jonah's vote. Uh, definitely. Uh, She-Hulk is someone, because I, I. it's so easy to say. Obviously, we all love Charlie Cox Daredevil. We'd love to see it, but that one kind of feels like Duh. boy most likely to succeed if they're going to take a character and they don't take Charlie Cox. It feels like that would be weirder. Don't so. give the rich kid the scholarship for the cheap school. <laughs> TK, yeah. TK, you haven't weighed in yet. I got you know go. who I'm going to say. You know oh. what I'm going to say. Say it. Do I need to say it? Yes, need to say it to me. <laughs> Nico just says it when I do that. Uh, it is, of course, uh, and this one throws a real wrench in everything. Mary Walker. Mm. Okay, you're gonna. I mean, and uh, you know, I who I assumed you were gonna say um, those those playing at home. That's Typhoid Mary, who's really a Daredevil character, like so many people. Um, but uh, got given to Iron Fist the way Sabretooth is really an Iron Fist character, but got given to Wolverine. She got given to Iron Fist, and she's really not uh, our Typhoid Mary. Um, she has DID, uh, but she it's it's as a result of stress from being in the army during the Ultron event. Um. I don't, so she is what, we got a lot to talk about when it comes to how some of this stuff is coming to the MCU, how some of the Netflix stuff is coming to the MCU. Uh, and she's a really good example of everybody the last week has been like, oh, Daredevil's canon now, we're good. But if Daredevil's canon, then that raises a lot of questions. And if those questions are yes, then is Iron Fist canon? And is if Iron Fist is canon, is Alice Eve going to be marrying Vincent D'Onofrio in the upcoming Devil's Reign? Because uh, I don't think that's a good pairing in any way. Uh, so I, I, I would like to see Typhoid Mary, but I have a lot of thoughts about how we'd get her there. I mean, you know, we are the we are the merriest crew. We are, uh, you know, you are Robin Hood, and we are your merry men. And uh, we so love this character. I think she's an example of somebody who I would like to see recast. You know, it's not because the actress didn't do a great job, but you know, now that source material tastes like that, right? And it's why I cannot figure out why you would recast Vanessa. You embarrassed me in front of Vanessa. And, like, I just don't know why you would ever recast Vanessa when yeah. it gives you that moment. Oh, uh, my God. I never looked at a car door the same way again. But um, I, I'm i really excited. This is a yummy moment. Let's talk, yeah. uh, let's talk some Echo. Uh, I want to just start with this is a Daredevil character, not a Hawkeye character, uh, which this show sought to do. Right? This show was kind of like, hey, hey, let's, let's, let's Daredevil this character right up. Uh, she first appears in Daredevil number nine by David Mack. Mack, often all dressed in black, 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 um, with giant muscles going down his back. He's a real handsome buff dude. Nice. A, he made it work. 
He's a very nice yeah, man. He He's uh, always been very kind to his fans, and I'm a big fan of his. Um, so uh, I think that this character was created by ostensibly a white man. Typical. Um, he created a character that transcends all of those trappings. And what we wind up with is more than an echo, not even being punny. Uh, she really is a dynamic, unique character and uh, has none of these crazy, the ancestors powers uh, in the comics. And by crazy, I mean, her power is visual mimicry. She's literally taskmaster. Uh, so, well, it's, and it's kind of not a power. Until... It's an ability. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, she's, she's just really good. Like Hawkeye doesn't have any superpowers. He's just a really good marksman. Um, she didn't get, you know, hit by the same sludge that Daredevil got hit by in her ears. She's not the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, she's not a mutant. She's not an inhuman. Uh, and that's actually, that was one of the really big things I was kind of curious about. Uh, would they, because in the comics, I mean, at this point where it's like 20 years ago that Echo came around. And so it's still pretty hammy, the concept. Like, it's very much like, think about if you had Daredevil, but no ears instead of no eyes. Uh, and a lot of it is like, you know, she can hear with her eyes and it, the same way that people are like Daredevil's blind, but he can hear so well, he might as well not be blind. And it's not a disability. It is a super ability. And it really took years of people understanding what a character could be to others to start sort of shifting things a little bit. So Echo was a really weird one in the comics and I think really just got to a place where people were writing her a little bit more. Uh, this can actually be somebody to deaf people. This can uh, be an interesting sort of foil for other street level characters. And then she up and became the Phoenix. Caw. Bird. Like you, know, you do. And, you know, she's just, I, I want my birth. But for so long, but for so short, she's like. She okay. I, I it was really funny. I was talking to my mom uh, the other day, and um, she said something, and I was like, "Yeah, man, it's like it's just like a second of time, you know? Like our lives are. We're basically born and die in the same second to the universe." And she goes, "Oh no, that's not fun." And like, <laughs> it just cracked me up because the honesty of when you really think about how much time something is, it really kind of transforms your understanding. Echo was Phoenix for maybe a grand publishing total of 18 months. And that's like if you use all of the time you can. Electra has been Daredevil twice that long now. And I'm still afraid they'll go back on that at any moment. So you sort of wind up in a position where these major shifts in character, like making Echo the Phoenix, yes, so important to give the native people back the Firebird at some point in storytelling, especially if the Phoenix is going to be a big X-Men thing again in the near future. Um, I just have too many feelings on this topic. For the love of God, anybody else talk. I just, I could talk about Echo all damn day, and I think we have a good total of like 80 hours on the channel of me just talking about Echo. I mean, <laughs> I, I just really liked it, like as a show, as a, as a as as a 
uh, as bringing in these couple of daredevil characters that we'd been foretold would come i really enjoyed the getting to see this other kind of side of the of the world that they normally don't go to i don't imagine many other places are going to reservations in oklahoma um and so it was exciting. It was exciting to see this community, to get to experience uh, this history and and mythology and all of this fun and know that it was taken seriously by both Disney, by bringing in the Choctaw Nation, that uh, it was everything that had gotten me excited uh, from the episode of What If that, uh, that we had just seen. Um, I was just really excited for all that. I love a good kind of like dark mob mentality. So whenever the Kingpin's involved, it was very exciting for me that her uncle was involved, who was also devastatingly handsome in all kinds of ways. Her friend was stunningly gorgeous. That Bonnie, the grandmother, had me had me like, oh my god, I haven't felt this way about someone over seventy in years. <laughs> I want to, oh, <laughs> lucky. I want to, uh, every other day with this guy, I want to talk for a moment then about the sort of the TV origins. Teak, I was looking over the numbers for the shows and, uh, you know, we, by the point Hawkeye came out, we didn't have this sort of, you know, symbiotic relationship of understanding of story yet um, that we have now with each other. And so one of the things that I was realizing is I don't know how you really felt about Hawkeye then how you feel about it now in terms of how I understand your fandom now, you know, one of the things I think is like whenever we meet somebody new and they're like, Oh my God, have you ever heard of that thing? We always kind of respond like, yeah. And you, Oh, you brought it up. Right, 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 right. So you've heard of it. You've heard of it. Right. And your thoughts are, no, I asked you first, dummy. No, you answer first or I'll pick you up and carry you off the stage. Um, so I, <laughs> sorry, me, I'm worst. So TK, how do you feel about, uh, the Maya Lopez show and its origins in Hawkeye that parallel its origins in Daredevil? I loved Hawkeye. Let's start there. Uh, Hawkeye was weird because Hawkeye was two seasons of a show occurring simultaneously. Uh, Hawkeye about Kate Bishop is one really fantastic show. Uh, and the two seasons blend together really well. They are great they two do. seasons combined. But there are times where Hawkeye about Jeremy Renner is a really solid sequel slash interquel to daredevil uh i mean it's 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 the wilson fisk it's kingpin is it too soon to start referring to the hawkeye side featuring jeremy renner as snowpiercer yes yep it is it is too soon thank you kevin well i mean he's fine now it's true he's back on his feet he's doing the thing he's okay oh so i think what you just said is bullseye uh yeah there, I mean, there's that another one, one. <laughs> exactly um i mean with that's i that's gonna i bet that's gonna be a huge part of uh born again but um you know the kate bishop yelena belova 
entry into uh, what I thought was going to be Young Avengers, but maybe now is Thunderbolts? Question mark. Mm. I'm very confused by that particular part of it, just because their chemistry was so amazing. But now Florence Pugh is going in, I think, a different direction than it seems like Haley Steinfeld's going in. Either way, that was amazing. That was a really fantastic. Their dynamic was so good. And frankly, uh, had some of the best sapphic undertones in the Marvel universe. And maybe they should have been overtones. I am so I, I, I mean, can't believe what it did for Yelena. Yeah. Like on yeah. every meta level. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Uh, but then sorry, overtones. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> or is it just I mean? I mean, I mean, it, it's it's also just uh, that was the vibes that I got off of Maya and Bonnie, too. So I, you know, I'm not saying that it's the only and most, but it's definitely sure top five. <laughs> well, we're gonna um, get into how I thought Biscuits was just like really handsome. Uh, I, I, I knew we were going to be talking about how you felt about Biscuits. Don't worry. Uh, the the relationship between the Hawkeyes is really fantastic. Basically, it's all really good, but there's this big thing in the middle that is, this is a Daredevil story that doesn't have Daredevil in it. What are we supposed to do with that? And it's been a weird looming question because Kingpin could be a Spider-Man villain, has been a Spider-Man villain, and like would be an option, and I'm sure has been pitched for uh, a, a Tom Holland project. But it this is a pretty unique thing to have him show up and not be attached to Daredevil. Uh, and at the time, for us, there's no Daredevil in the MCU. And we are all thinking there is, the for a big chunk of time recently, we all thought Daredevil has not existed in the MCU or did not come up in the MCU maybe uh started in la as a superhero none of that was really clear uh and so to get the intro into the hell's kitchen microcosm through maya lopez and hawkeye was a really interesting way to do things i want to say it's a little bit unspectacular but i think ultimately holistically is going to really serve everybody very well uh the long and short of it being i don't think i've been more hyped about daredevil and the hell's kitchen microcosm than i am now there's the there's our boy uh and it is because of this kind of uh, multi-prong approach from Hawkeye, from She-Hulk, and from Echo introducing that this is a sandbox that we haven't even technically played in yet that we're going to get to in the next couple years. I really, really agree. And that, that crossover point of Fisk was such a perfect way to bind the Daredevil universe into Echo and then Echo into her own show. And, you know, other than the fact that this is absolutely Lurch walking Wednesday to school, um, one of the things that I really I got, love. Yeah, I oh. got strong Hannibal and and, and uh, Abigail vibes off of this from the NBC show. There is so much magic to Fisk, and I, I feel, and it's I say all the time on the show. I feel about Fisk the way most people feel about Doom or Magneto or Kang. 
this motherfucker, the most dastardly thing he's ever done is put a finger in a diamond and hit people with it. And I know that is the dumbest way to explain Devil's Reign as a storyline. <laughs> but the idea that this kingpin could get his hands on Purple Man DNA because now the entirety of the Defenders line is canon. All of it. Ooh. All of it. So now Devil's Reign can actually happen the way it works. Do we know that all of it is? Yeah, they've said the whole thing. That's a really interesting way to to do it. You know, and I gotta say, that's specifically something that I love so much about the MCU and what I love about what the MCU is doing and what it has the ability to do and to bring it back even to, like, Maya's powers and the discussion of that and the change in that. I like that they have the ability to do these things because they can pull from stuff from the comics that exists and remix it in uh interesting new ways uh you know we talked a little bit about is maya's powers perhaps the wrong side of problematic because you know they at least justify matt's abilities in the fact that it was like a chemical spill that enhanced his abilities like there were factors but maya was just always really really good there was never any magic to it and so that you know it came across a certain way and I like that we have the ability to grow and expand and remix these things. You know, I'm thinking about how the upcoming Avatar The Last Airbender series, they're going to tell a lot of the same stories, but they're going to fold them differently because they have all of books through one through three produced and finished. They have Korra done. They have so much other canon that you can tell book one of Avatar The Last Airbender in such a different way because you know so much more. And so I really like that about this show and that they can pull these things and develop these. And so even though I know so much of what they're probably giving Fisk was actually an Osborne story, you know, that's okay. They are such similar characters who have a lot of overlap. Uh, I'd rather see Vincent D'Onofrio pull it off than um, Willem Dafoe, either way, personally. Uh, but, you know, I, that's something I just find really interesting about everything they're doing so tori you touched on it a little bit now touch on it a lot of bit let's talk about the giant hammer in the room uh you know i think kingpin is really the co-feature star of this but it would be a little too romanticized to call it echo and her weird dad kingpin um you know tori how did you feel about seeing this very male story you know, this is like, the, I am the angry son. Um, and, you know, Kingpin is kind of like, yeah, and I'm the, the the other dad. But, like, they just went full. No, women are fighters, too. What's wrong with you? And I think that's really spectacular. Yeah, I really enjoyed it because I think for me, it was the opportunity to see uh, this story of someone, of a of a large man who grooms a young girl to work for him and be his surrogate daughter being told really from the eyes of a surrogate daughter who's into it until she isn't. So many times we get a strictly victim POV that is very like, I don't want to be here and I don't know why this is happening and I'm just trying to get through. And that's a very different from what we got here, or we get it completely from, um, from the Kingpin side of things. And so I think that this is, 
helpful for both of them because I think it it provides her with a, a backstory that's more interesting than just uh, I was running around and then my dad got killed and I was sort of tangled up in it too, but it was my dad. So like kind of thing, like to really, really shine in on that. He wasn't just someone who was like sweet to her when she was six years old, that he really trained her up this whole time. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the level of obsession that uh, Kingpin shows. I think that that's something that's been, a little bit missing from his from his last we've seen his uh aggression we've seen his single-mindedness but we haven't seen his like pure self-driven obsession to try to fill the hole that lives inside of him and yes i did send nico a meme about this ball peen hammer being recasted in yep. it. <laughs> we, um, we saw that together and laughed <laughs> um so yeah so i really i really liked it i liked how all the stuff that kingpin was doing that that the average viewer was like oh it's sweet he got a translator to work with him who's always there no matter what he knows a couple of signs he creates this whole like thing so that she can understand him so that they don't need to keep killing translators like he's been doing you know like these things seem sweet but then we also got the monologue about how, no, you don't actually care about me. If you actually cared about me, you'd learn this for yourself. So. And, it, you know, it, it was such a, there really was a bunch of give and take on the idea. Uh, and it did, the show really kept you guessing because up until this moment, this scene where he, they finally confront each other in the barn, um, He's really sticking to the idea that he loves her and everything that he did was for her. And when he really, he even is still on it when he is so furious that she didn't come home with him. And it's finally when they confront each other and she still says no, that he says, then I'm going to kill your whole family just like I killed your father. And you understand that it, he never he did never love her like she yeah. she saw the thing because we the audience i think even are doubting it at that point we're like yeah. you know he's a bad guy but maybe he did really in some capacity love her yeah. and he's he's not good at uh, at, a, at approaching it and i think you could also still argue a little bit that he he does love her but he doesn't know how to love because of you know the the, the hammer <laughs> Uh, and um, excuse me, he clearly knows how to love. See exhibit A, Vanessa. Vanessa! Uh, yeah, I agree with you on all of it. I kept waiting. They, she kept dancing around the fact that she knows that he killed her dad, and she right. doesn't say it. And I right. kept. It was like by the third conversation where she's like approaching the "you killed my dad" reveal. I was like, just say it because he's gonna lie. And then we can we can be caught up in the lie with you, and it's exciting. And I, I like now that I think about it, I'm like, you know, I kind of like that. Technically, he never lied to her. He just thought it was something we could all get past without discussing. I never yeah. lied to you, Vader yeah, and to kill your dad. You yeah, know? like he's just withholding and but demanding why your name was in the Goblet of Fire. Like you know these things, these things. That he would do. describe it as the unpleasantness right yes yes 
And Tori, I think it's really interesting that you bring up this idea of like not seeing Fisk's obsession because that was the one thing in Hawkeye. Uh, I don't even necessarily think there was room for it, but I sort of kept waiting for him to become obsessed with Kate Bishop because of the relationship with the mother and the fact that Kate shows so much gumption for lack of a better term shows so much potential that i think if the show had had a second season and they knew it was going to get a a longer term fisk would have had the same kind of interest in uh kate bishop because he really does at this point from after daredevil onward i think a big thing that we're seeing is his legacy and the ground up part of his empire the fact that now he is a little bit older he does not have children he is still an abused child and is trying to figure out how to have everything including the security that he was better than the person that raised him and i kept seeing it peeking out at kate bishop uh, because we don't really get it in Hawkeye with Maya. It's just said to us a bunch of times that he raised her. And this show was epically satisfying because it gave us that whole backstory and really those moments of that obsession being paid off after all this time. And once you really realize that like, while he's in Hawkeye, this is happening at a right. lot of the same time, you can yeah. understand that uh, because of Fisk's single-mindedness he's not able to multi-obsess right he's a very monogocessed person right and so he it, it, it is it is interesting to to kind of say we we you were wondering why he wasn't that into kate bishop well it's because he already had one and he was way more into her than you will ever understand yeah um so yeah so i i like I liked a whole lot about what this was for Wilson Fisk, but I also liked that he wasn't for all that he is dominating the frame. He does not dominate the show. You know, yeah, yes, he is the one we're all buzzing about. But at the end of the day, if you watch the show, you're like, no, this is a fully formed, capable show where even if he hadn't shown up and just been a mystery figure in the background that only showed up in flashbacks, we would still uh be getting a fully formed story and i think you know one of the things that we wind up with is you know kevo made a comment earlier about how there are parts of this that are kind of huge norman osborne story elements kingpin did not ever have his sins sucked out of him the kingpin loves his sins the kingpin is driven by his sins oh yeah that was the point i was gonna make never mind And part of what makes this so significant then is this allows us to have a best of the Marvel universe because here's what the MCU does not have time to do. It does not have time to do this story sloppy with Norman, do this story sloppy with Kingpin, do this story sloppy with doom, do this story sloppy with, I don't know, uh, some version of Hank Pym from an alternate future where he then comes back and tries to make everything right and builds himself a good Ultron. You know, we don't have time for that many big, 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 big budget films. So I think what we see here is sort of why the Marvel Universe overplayed their hand on Kang, because 
and I think it's going to work here instead, is because it's easier to build every good, powerful story that does this, that talks about that obsession, that I have to do the thing into one character that you do really well. Because look at how everybody's responded to a multitude of films. Yeah, I really do believe that, like, getting getting all of this twisted excitement into into Kingpin is going to pay off in multiple dividends. I would almost say that he's actually the driving force of why, like, all of the Daredevil stuff is moved in. Yeah. I mean, God bless Charlie Cox, but we don't really need Daredevil because this, uh, Marvel's, the MCU's not that interested in street-level stuff. Like, at the end of the day, they're interested in elevated street level where the heroes from the streets, but then they get dragged into something bigger. Um, so I really do think that by having Wilson Fisk, and he's going to get his own elevation soon by becoming mayor of New York, but um, I really think that it's it's why we're getting all these things dragged over. It's why, you know, we could get to the point where we have Jessica Jones in our world somewhere Who? i know <laughs> but like you can't trust that bitch she's in apartment b or something oh you're so cute i, I also <laughs> i want to push back on something that you said please because push well i'm pushing nico uh because i better. i'm interested to see where it goes i don't think she ate his sins uh, and I don't think we're, I don't think we're getting good guy Fisk. I'm interested to see what we're getting. I think we are not getting Angelus to Angel. No, um, no. I, I think, think she, like, no, took yeah. his rage, or and he's something. gonna do it all again. I mean, yeah. Maybe, yeah, like maybe he's like oh, Chip yeah. Spike, who like got. If he had gotten like unchipped really quick. Well, the, and the thing with Spike was even when he got his soul back, he was still not the best. Sure. Uh, and I think we're closer to that. I think we're we're that maybe without even the uh, impulse to do good. I'm really interested to see where it goes. I I'm so fascinated by this setup because she heals him of his deepest trauma and his the sadness that has driven everything that he has done uh and we we don't know where that leaves him i loved that yeah. he he just screams what did you do to me what did you do to me and uh then leaves and like, <laughs> he, you yeah. know, he doesn't yeah. what because i I'll, I'll tell you all the audience i let nico uh spoil this for me i just i was i was a little worried about not having time to get everything done and watch it before uh, we got to showtime today. It's been a very busy week. Uh, ultimately, I did see all of it, but um, I, I so I knew it was coming. And when he says, what did you do to me? I'm thinking that we're then about to get a scene where he's like there with all of his guys helping clean up. And he's like, I thank you. I will now go do better. Uh, and no, he just, <laughs> he just gets in the car and goes home. Uh, and like for me, like now that you're saying all of this, like yeah. it really does feel like he's gonna keep doing what he's always done, but instead of that fire within, it's just not there. And he just feels empty and aimless, but he's still driving that road. And gosh, if that isn't, you know, 
and what I understand have, these days. <laughs> and he doesn't have the same excuse by being, right. you know, healed, so to speak, of that childhood yeah. trauma. You're not being driven by the same things. And this is where, like, when I see negative criticisms of this series, like, TK, if it had been what you described, like, yes, that would have been very silly, obviously. But I think the way that it actually played out and the fact that we are left with it open-ended and for somebody else to develop what exactly it means for the character and how Wilson is probably going to mess up this, if it is, second chance that he's been given because that's the character and that's what's interesting about watching the character. If he had stayed and like opened a rec center, sure, I would understand people being like, this is dumb. But like, no, this is something that is done repeatedly in Marvel Comics as a storytelling device that you do to a villain uh, to see how the how the villain develops and grows from having this experience. So like, I that that's why I made the cover what it was, where I feel like so much of what I feel like I'm seeing reactions to this are just things that are mad at things that are like from comics, the costume. The, the powers and empowering your village and being able to have this one fight, like, all of this to me just feels like what I see and have been seeing in comics. Yeah. Wilson is very much a person who's all about his community, for better or worse. He is the classic version of what your mother tells you the mob was like. Oh, they were just, you know, guys who, you know, he they made it happen. And you don't ask questions because it's for the betterment of the community. They like all of that. Fix they help vacuums. People. They fixed vacuums. They got textbooks for the for the boys coming back from from war. Like all of this stuff. And at the end of the day, you're like, and what about the murder? What murder? What like, murder? Yeah. Like what war? If you grew up Italian in the tri-state in the tri-New York City state area, you uh you heard that a lot. You heard what murder like your whole life. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Right. And so Wilson it Wilson is this like he feel, he suddenly feels very empty inside. He's just had this moment. He like he, magic has actually infiltrated under that thick skin. And what does he do? He goes, I got to go back to me and what's the core sense of me that's not wrapped up in a bloody rag in weighs 16 ounces. It's um, New York City. New York City. It's caring about my little square footage and we're going to go make a difference. And I can't wait. Okay, I just much fun. I just want to say one other thing, uh, TK. You have to weigh in on this. Uh, what a big week for Hell's Kitchen with Echo. Uh, you know, re-exploding Hell's Kitchen onto the map the same week. We find out Cable has a safe house in Hell's Kitchen back in the pages of X Men. I mean, I I really did think about how that could lead to so many interesting stories. Cable's also a lawyer. God damn it, like. Cable never gets a chance to stick around long enough and, like, not do war. Uh, but, like, if somebody would let him, uh, Murdoch and Summers, get Foggy out of here. It's a summer day. We don't need any fog. you were going to say, get <sighs> fucked. And I was like, yeah! No, I mean, that's, I yes, I do very much feel that way. But then um, bring in Walters and Murdoch, Summers, and Walters. Like Yes. Marvel Law. I oh mean, with damage control, there are so many good it superhero. There are so many good superhero adjacent ideas that are just getting left on the table. It's really unfortunate, but in it, in and outlaws. In oh and my outlaws. god, I love that! I'm obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have. 
for today. We will maybe we'll get to it if we ever talk about like specifically the Daredevil Echo fight. But I got oh, oh we will then okay. No. <laughs> I uh, I was saying to Nico that I really actually think the MCU specifically has done an amazing job of showing us why conceptually Wilson and Matt are a much better version of what people think the Joker and Batman are. There, People will write these really uh, elaborate ham-fisted things about how like the two opposing forces of nature in the dcu are joker and the batman are total and laughing right that's what like there's a part of it that's also just like if it was like a bat and its natural predator maybe but like the idea that it is a clown and uh, uh, a bat-esque man it just is never gonna I, work for me i also think like we just covered have yourself a merry little batman at the beginning yeah. at the end of this year and you know part of the theme of that is as if joker wants to be batman's friend and like that is funny that does fit that dynamic that would never fit this dynamic not in a million years so no. yeah what you're saying really really is true yeah there's no and, there's no the villain the villain tap dances in hopes to win the hero's heart like that's not happening here. loneliness in front of <laughs> vanessa well but uh, you embarrass me in front of vanessa and also you embarrassed me in front of maya really does show the point that Matt does it too. The two of them get so upset they can't help but beat the shit out of whoever is in front of them. And that's really, like, ultimately the thing that people are trying to say is, like, the Joker does random acts of violence, but, man, for somebody who's really trying to clean up the city, Batman beats the shit out of a lot of people. Does that help stop crime? Maybe, maybe not, but isn't this dude just beating up a lot of people? And the Joker is so tied up in, like, it's laughing gas it's a scheme it's a prank it's a joke that you forget that there's a person because there's not really a person in there that's the point no. yeah with wilson there is a person under there and we have yeah. seen that person so much in the mcu we have seen that he is an abused child that he still in some way loves his mother and he can't let her go he can't get rid of her that he falls in love obsessively with women uh and you know he loves obsessively people that he can control and he uses violence to make things the way he thinks they need to be who the fuck else uses violence to make things the way he thinks they need to be matt murdoch and the two of them are the same side are, are coin uh different sides of the same coin it you see it here more than ever uh and i guess like back to the thing that i was saying earlier it's just like matt hasn't been around yet i'm so excited for what we do when matt actually is here to be his foil for once i think it's really going to be kind of a crowning achievement of all of this work that has been done for wilson yeah i had sent this to kevo i don't know if he passed this along but in the uh Disney has, of course, the chronological how to watch all the MCU and TV shows, and they plop Ep Echo before She-Hulk. That makes the, sense to me. Timeline, yeah. So, I also love that it's been filtered into the Defenders section. Mm. Yeah, brilliant, mm. so brilliant. And that's even I think the thing that makes this so important to me. You know, one of the things that makes it kind of hard to talk about the cross section of comics. I am. I'm like a million years old, right? And um, 
when I say that, I say it exactly. Uh, there's a joke from Brooklyn Nine-Nine where a character describes someone as one million years, million years old. old. And like, I mean it humorously. I do not actually feel a million. But one of the things that I'm really starting to re recognize is how many years I denied myself enjoyment because I believed that self-imposed labels were strong definers. And I find myself deeply uh, disillusioned with the state of the Marvel Universe right now. And uh, I've just really been leaning into some of my favorite DC stuff, just looking for other places to find big comics that I like. And one of the things that I've really been seeing by peering into a universe that I'm not as familiar with in all ways is where things intersect. If you're reading Green Lantern, you can be sure the Flash will show up. If you're reading Robin or Nightwing, at some point, Batman's going to rear his head, even if it's just a constantly mention that he's not rearing his head. Mm. And that sort of defining characteristic of what makes a universe and what shapes a universe, I think is so important about the nature of Echo. This is born out of the two sides of Marvel television. The original run, the Defender Saga, which encompasses Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, the Defenders itself, and Punisher. You know, and in some ways you could even say kind of Hawkeye because it gave us the, you know, inclusion of Fisk. You could maybe even say kind of She-Hulk, but I don't know. She-Hulk has a gloss to it that is uniquely the Marvel Universe. Uh, whereas Hawkeye kind of has a little bit of, um, it's got kind of got the taste of blood and piss in its mouth a little bit. And so like, I can kind of see that being a little defensiers. Oh, I love that. Poster. Oh, uh, such oh, really? Cause I looked at it and I went, those four people are not in the same space. No, no. But I loved the idea of this poster <laughs> capturing the franticness mm -hmm. of, uh, the defenders, but I, I, so end of the day, one of the things that makes this show so special is this really is the first defenders show of the Marvel Universe era. And that's why it works for me. This is uh, the you know Marvel Spotlight. And bless this very mm. stupid fucking Rocketeer title card. Because you know what? I bet if somebody went to design school, they'd be given a D for this. Uh, but you know what? The kid... Oh, what, honey? Oh, but it's light. Oh, Spotlight. Yeah. It's a spotlight mm -hmm. on like, the thing that says Spotlight. This takes advantage of everything I love about marketing. It reminds me of stuff from when I was a kid. Uh, the brightness. This appeals to the cerebral comic book kid who's about 40 years old with discretionary income. And that's what this is meant to do. Yeah, it's one of those things that's not meant to be like, damn, Tom Muller style. They hired the right graphic designer. It's just supposed to stick in your head. It's supposed to be really distinct from the Marvel label. Uh, to is. me, well, this is sorry, real quick. This yeah. is the best version of uh, an on-screen Marvel Knights because they're not going to do Marvel Knights but Marvel Spotlight I think is going to serve a very similar purpose. Well, and some of the graphics are like even meant to evoke things that we have no reference for anymore. This I was watching old footage of something from I can't even remember what. And it looked super identical to the Marvel special presentation, you know, graphic. And I was like, oh, that pinged now. A Xennial has absolutely no reference for what you did. But sure, good for you. This could be evoking things I am completely not remembering from the 80s, the 70s. Who knows? Uh, 
but it gets the job done. And yeah, you know, we just we needed some sort of headline and banner to represent things that aren't going to probably have a huge bearing on secret wars, that sort of thing. Is, is that why they did it? I thought they were doing it to be like, this is not going to get a second season. No. It's supposed it, to be like, this is not exactly canon. This oh. is not important to the movies, kind of. It's part of the movies, but it's not as important as like a TV show like Daredevil Born Again will probably be treated. Honestly, I think they're hedging their bets at this point because I think they just wanted a second imprint. If they this show it is getting a really solid response and is ultimately going to be uh, maybe it won't be important for other people to have seen uh, in order to see Born Again, but like we're talking a lot about what this means for Born Again. Uh, and if this is Marvel Spotlight, but She-Hulk isn't, uh, I don't know functionally what the point of this is. To me, it really is just kind of a, a holding imprint mm -hmm. to be able to say, well, when it didn't stick... Yeah, you know, it's Marvel Spotlight. But when it does stick, when people are like, no, that show banged, and they decide that's a character we need to keep, that's somebody who needs to appear in, uh, you know, the Secret Wars project, then I think they get maybe pulled out of Marvel Spotlight. I'll be interested to see exactly how it happens. But I think ultimately it's just to have another imprint to put stuff in that they're not sure about. Nico, what did Disney do that with for Pulp Fiction? Touchstone. Thank you. That's what I thought. It was a Miramax. Uh, might have been Miramax. At that no, I think it was Touchstone at that point because I think they acquired Miramax. They did acquire Miramax, which is how they acquired point. Dimension. Yeah. Yeah. Which is how Disney owns Scream. Oh, Ghostface Killer, one of the Disney uh, villains. He's a Disney princess. No, no. And he can appear in Marvel. So, uh, synergy. I was going to point out, he's a Disney villain alongside, like, Hades and Ursula. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's can't me. wait to see I his... Thought, uh, I thought, uh... Go ahead, Kevo. No, just that means all the Survivor... All the Survivor women. So, like, Kirby's a Disney princess? Oh, yay. Okay. I can't wait to see their entry in the storybook Brooke Chronicles. I was oh gonna say, I feel God. like Disney's imprint was Buena Vista Pictures, didn't they? That was their those? that was their distribution licensing mm. company. Oh my yeah. god. Um, so yeah. I love this conversation because it actually is really what this was all about. Uh, you know, I wanna jump back a thing before we wrap too much on this. Um, we didn't get to talk enough about the characters. So because I, I wanna say the story was not where it was at. This was not a dynamically original story. I don't this agree. Was, it was a very straightforward, positive story. Yes, that's all you mean. It was just very straightforward. Yeah, yeah. but it, it was not an original story. It wasn't a complicated story. Um, Kebo, could you just flash biscuits? Yeah. Oh, this is what he wants to go back to. No, just this is the gentleman no, I was saying yeah. who was oh, no, I get earlier. It. The thing that biscuits represents in this show is something that I think the best of modern television offers us which is an opportunity to engage with um a northern exposure with a twin peaks with mm. a, a stars hollow you know a star stars hollow and that's uh, a world where every little character is worth their weight in gold this is a guy from pawnee this is a guy from rutherford falls this is a guy i would want to see on more things 
because he plays into the magic of a small town. Now, do I think he should get a spinoff called Time of Your Life where he goes to New York and starts to find his way without Bailey? No. Obviously. But um, I think he is in that oeuvre of what makes the Marvel universe so strong. We didn't just think that Tony Stark was brilliant. We thought Pepper Potts was amazing. And we thought that uh, Happy was brilliant. And that's like all born. We thought that Happy was handsome as fuck. We thought Happy was present. He was fun. Leave him alone. That's the thing. And now he's the Hulk. So eat a dick. All different characters bring a lot of different things. You know, a lot of people have already compared this guy to uh, Luis from Ant-Man. Is that Mm -hmm. the character? Yeah, the one who... We already haven't seen him since 2018. So, you know... But I don't find him identical to that character. I think that he fits into a similar type. But, you know, people come in similar types. Look at the four of us. Yeah. So, yeah. He lives in that that Darcy realm from the Thor movies. Like, yeah. And those can go in the direction of she becomes an astrophysicist. Or they can go in the direction of, you know, not. Still the same. 20 years later, etc. Yeah. One of the I love Biscuits, great character. Uh I want to talk about the problem with Biscuits and the like the problem with the show overall in a second, but I want to keep talking characters. Uh Bonnie and Chola and Scully, uh phen- Uncle uh Uncle is it Henry? Yep. Uh all the family are all phenomenal. Uh big shout out to Bonnie, who is the voice of Cohorty from What If? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she is. We love her that's, very that's, much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I I, <laughs> Mama I, I the yeah. moment that I really loved was when Bonnie and Chola also got access to the ancestral power. Um that was really special. Mm-hmm. It was really smart. Because, you know, you said we're not going to do a Biscuit spinoff show, but we could do a Bonnie, we could do a, a spinoff show about the family, uh, about how everybody that, you know, if Echo has to go back to New York and be a Marvel superhero, you know, a, a Hell's Kitchen superhero, Bonnie and Chola can be Midwestern superheroes. Uh, and I just thought... I fell in love with every member of the family as a family, as a, as a group that went through some real pain. Um, the fact that it's kind of a bit of a reveal that Scully and Chola didn't stay together. Uh, and that, you know, he clearly continued to love her. Uh, and it wasn't that she didn't love him. It was that this whole, this whole experience broke her. Um, I, I was shocked with what they did with less than five hours of screen time. Three hours. The whole show is less than three fucking hours. Which, while I do actually think it ended up being smart and a really good proof of concept for further shows, uh, that also sort of ends up being a bit of the problem. Uh, they apparently said Biscuit's name a bunch when they were all children, so as to indicate that Biscuit's was a person. 
Uh, but meeting him as adults was really my first recollection that Biscuits was a person. So it came a bit out of left field when he was just like, it's me, Biscuits, you know, from childhood. And I've heard the name like twice, but I think yeah. they even want you to be like, it could be the dog and then it's not. But then you're stuck with that name for the next five episodes. Yeah, I only I only remembered it because they were like, Biscuits is going to be so sad that he wasn't here. And I was like, Wait, is that another kid? Dog or his wife? (laughs) Again, yeah. (laughs) And ultimately, I think that they probably have footage with the kid. With a, with a, with a with a biscuits kid. And there's a few things like that. Like I thought the reveal of Scully and Shola no longer being together ended up playing out well, but I believe it was a little bit confusing and I think they probably have footage that explains that they did not stay together. Either you saw them. And so I thought that three hours was maybe not quite enough. Uh, It was a little unfair to this brilliant production. Uh, But I thought maybe four. Less than an hour per episode for five episodes. For a thing that calls itself Marvel Spotlight. For a character that on its own doesn't really even unfortunately it's not fair but it's the truth carry a comic title most of the time i think i would take many of these a year honestly um i just want to say that the the story is that this was filmed at six episodes yes no it was filmed at more than that it got uh they before they started cutting it down it got left at six and then really last minute it got dropped down to I mean, you know, we're already hearing that the entire first four episodes of Daredevil were written. The first two were filmed. The third Mm -hmm. one was partially filmed. All of it is now thrown out and they're starting over with, uh, I I just need to say, you know, the response to Echo Day One was so positive from same day watchers that it looks like that was enough for them to go forward with publicly releasing that Eldon Henson and Deborah Ann Wall, two of the greatest things in the entire Marvel universe, are returning to the universe of Daredevil. We're hearing a lot of rumors that Born Again is now split into nine and nine. Um, we're hearing uh, a lot of stuff. And if Echo can be at the start of this, I want to make a parallel that I know, TK, this is a parallel you'll appreciate more than almost anybody on the planet. And I almost want to like join in echo power with all of my comic sisters on this. But like, honestly, this is the most fucking X-Men TV show in history. And that's in a world with Noah Hawley's legacy. Oh, Legion. So I almost called it X-Men Legacy, which anybody who knows Legion knows that's literally what it is. Uh, So is how good it is. I literally call it the name of the comic it's based on. Um, yeah. This is giant size Marvel Cinematic Defenders. Yeah. This is so goddamn exciting. And I just I want more of it forever. This was a happy place. I, at the end of the day, when we finished Hawkeye, I did sort of think to myself, okay, it's this is comic seco. Um, you know, she's got the, the mimic power. She's a badass fighter, uh, despite having a disability and she seems to, they haven't defined that she does kind of, uh, fight style mimicry, but it's totally plausible that at some point somebody will say that. And then 
in the ensuing years, uh, Echo became the Phoenix and got access to a whole other power set, did a series. There's also, I didn't have time to grab them both, but there is a scene from uh, Echo Song Phoenix where they go back in time and they meet one of her ancestors who had access to the Phoenix. And the drawing of the the indigenous camp that they were in really mirrored the uh, shot that we got of the camp in 1200 AD that you see the first, the first shot of Echo's uh, ancestors with their powers. And that was the minute at which I started thinking to myself, are they kind of low-key roundabout way giving her the phoenix powers like she that's, can't uh, that's peak jonah's point in the uh in the comments yes. so, yeah please yep. keep going i just, it, p- brilliant thought brilliant yeah. Thought. Yep. uh yeah jonah's saying i know they had to do the best they could without using the phoenix force uh i'm really happy they were able to make some of echo's most recent comic stories with something new slash original for live action yeah exactly i mean i seeing seeing the what i felt was a mirror of that comic book panel uh as they really start to go into what the powers are uh it kind of i mean it puts me in mind of two things one we could now do this in the comics and wouldn't that be wild yes. uh for echo sort of to realize after having the phoenix that she might not have the phoenix anymore but she has access to an ancestral uh- <laughs> yeah i know it really it could be something really special and i hope uh, i hope they might be going in that direction um also so good they are two entirely different uh native american peoples uh but cohorty's powers really do not look unlike echoes and the scene uh in the ancient cave really does look like the land on the other side of the sky lake uh and i just i would love to see marvel invest in a brain trust of indigenous peoples from different tribes who could come together and standardize magic that people had access to before colonization uh but it has to be led by intermediary who understands both mediums so perfectly rebecca roanhorse Oh, I thought we were gonna say taboo, but fine. Okay, taboo <laughs> um, needs to be on it, but taboo yeah. has some very busy things to get started up in here. He's running, running, and running, 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 and he's cuckoo. I yes. saw very funny. I saw a post on my feed earlier that I shared to XI4P, which is our uh, funnier page on Facebook. We have our one that is all about us, and we have one where I share a lot of uh, posts from Sesame Street, mostly because they're very uplifting. Uh, and I came across a post talking about this sequence. And yep. this uh, is the one I was this, talking about. This representation of uh, this sort of landscape and how this is like, uh, by the poster's estimation, like the first time they have ever seen uh, this level of civilization for indigenous people represented on this level oh, yeah. on television. And they were just floored, completely floored. Yeah. Uh, so I, I loved I loved seeing this without even knowing that. And I'm so sad to hear that if this is the first time it's been represented on this level, especially with what we are at in terms of television production, where we can do things like this. 
And, you know, this is what I want to start seeing from stuff like Doctor Who as well. Like, this is our history. Mm-hmm. And this stuff is amazing. And something I, I, I really loved about seeing this and Kaori over on What If is, you know, we see the way Norse mythos is represented through Thor. And it's given this mythic, magical level. And, you know, there's really no reason that other cultures and underrepresented culture shouldn't be given the same um, sort of mythic level of significance and power. You know, I really love that you brought up this sequence. Number one, I hope every lax bro uh, in every school in the country just feels like they would get their ass handed to them by Echo now. I mean, I really did. I I played lacrosse all throughout high school. Uh, really I did. I um I had a very big relationship with it. This was a really special scene to me. I was going to bring it up because this. And Miss Marvel are two things I can really point to from the MCU lately that showed me cultures that, like, I have some tie to or are present in my life. Uh, you know, Miss Marvel more just because I've, I've lived in that area and I've witnessed the fact that everybody is living a life in a culture that is nothing like yours and that you mm-hmm. know nothing about unless you engage with it. We're 15 minutes from there. It's- right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you know, there are, <laughs> there are families with traditions and language and religion and ancestry that you just maybe don't know anything about and you don't know anything about what their lives and their family dynamics are like. And similarly, like you play a game like East coast, very white area lacrosse and nobody ever talks to you about how it has antecedents and ancestors in games that were played in native america that are kind of lost to us that we we don't talk about we don't see depicted and it was such a privilege and such a treat and really a gift to me as somebody who doesn't experience these things for people to share their cultures and for, you know, Disney to spend the money to make it look like something that people from those cultures can be proud of and point to and say, that really resonates. That That is my culture. That's what my family is like. These were my ancestors. These were what, this is how my people passed their time. Um, it's wild to me that we are still having debates where some people think that's too woke and don't just think like how interesting that you even got to see that when you never would otherwise. Like that's literally what we always thought when we were growing up in our generation is what I thought. I thought we always had the reaction of, Oh, that's, that's fun. Right. Yeah. It's one of the things like that we like about things like Captain Planet or a bunch of things that would just like drag someone from each major corner of the world that all of a sudden you're like, okay, yeah, like let's learn about this culture versus this culture versus that culture. Like, you know, you get into mummy movies and you get into Greek mythology movies and you get into, you know, all of these things. It's what I loved about where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Like, not even being stupid, but they would be like, she is currently walking through a farm where they make peppers. Mm-hmm. I and never be like, where in time is Carmen Sandiego. You know, I never got into the other ones because I, I was a little bit more into the geography of it. But, you know, the big thing that I want to uh, come back to with this show is Echo has changed the landscape of the Marvel Universe in ways that whole films have not. 
And a part of why it's done that is because it used existing characters in clever ways. We're seeing other projects on the horizon that are expected to do this, like the upcoming Thunderbolts. But one of the things that Echo did is it did it with a, I almost want to say Matrix-like authenticity for the source code. There is something beautiful about how this wanted to paint a picture of Echo, of Daredevil, and of Kingpin. And the very limited inclusion of Daredevil in that one 90-second scene, which, yikes, did you guys misrepresent that. But uh, the thing that made me very happy here is it's exactly what I said about... <laughs> it's exactly what I said about the earlier uh, Batman looming presence in things that Batman is not in. Daredevil's slight inclusion here makes the reality of Daredevil always like omnipresent in Kingpin's every motivation. The reality of Daredevil here reminds us this is the Defenders verse. Part of what this very short inclusion allowed us to have is something that probably would have played out uh, a couple of pages every issue of this five-issue mini, but it gave us the Hollywood version with all respect to having to pay actors when they appear in multiple episodes. It gave us a grounding moment. It gave us a binding tie to the the severity of the grit of you know the Netflix Defenders verse and... I'm so grateful because Echo is a character that means as almost as much to me as Typhoid Mary or Elektra. And to see her done as well as she's done here and to see the way that Daredevil was used with a responsibility. You know, he is a Captain America level fighter. And if you don't fucking believe me, ask Captain fucking America. And Echo held her own here in a way that only Captain America would say, yeah, she's that good. Again, Want proof? Go read New Avengers number 12. Captain America literally (laughs) says Echo can fight like him. So this was just a really incredible moment that gave us so many powerhouses. This was just a religious experience for me. And I'm just so proud to get to talk about it with three people that make me so proud. And I think for me, um, how much inclusion and focus there is on Wilson is part of what made me feel fulfilled as a daredevil and daredevil netflix fan where i was like yeah daredevil is really well represented like the hammer man the fact that we see him staring at that wall while they're screaming through it like i really really felt well fed as a netflix daredevil fan um Excuse me. It's the hammer uh, force, and this is Grant Morrison being like, here comes tomorrow. Would I have liked more Daredevil? Yes. Do I feel they perhaps uh overemphasized his appearance? Yes. Was I prepared for that being a possibility? Yes. Was I aware other people probably were not prepared for that possibility and it would not go well? Can we guess, children? Yes. yes. Oh, I did it as a group. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I personally expected fandom to be incredibly respectful about a story about a disabled woman of color. <laughs> but like, that's the thing is that uh, one of the things uh, I learned how to make comics by talking to Nico. So take of that what thou wilt. Uh, he made it very clear to me that we want, when we were creating a character for Kid Riot, that we wanted to have the Electro effect, which is where 
they're always around-ish, but we don't see them. And I think that's one of the things that Disney and Marvel are kind of doing right now, which is we will give you teensy tiny tiny pinches of Charlie Cox or the Daredevil outfit. But for the rest of it, you're going to have to deal with the more fun and shockingly kind of easier to get, I don't really know why, Vincent D'Onofrio. And everyone will say, that's fine. because Especially because they're like, yeah, 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 you're going to get more later. He's going to come back. Uh, D'Onofrio might be easier to get because he has more kids. Um, he does. Uh, that's, he does. And I uh, think he like lives over here permanently. And I think Charlie Cox keeps a flat somewhere else. And the thing about, I'm so sorry, Kevin, I'm going to pass the mic to you. I just want to say Vincent D'Onofrio was an actor who was so respectful of almost like Vincent D'Onofrio actually is a Neil Gaiman in that like oh, yeah. he thinks that the way the work he's respecting needs to always be remembered as like an existing body. Mm-hmm. He really thinks the Kingpin means something to people as a villain, as, as something. And he wants to honor it and that he is willing to spend all of his, he's got criminal intent money. You guys, he gets to make his decisions. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a, he's a wanders over to a Broadway producer and goes, uh, what do you got for me this season? And they go, oh, I like being speed the plow. <laughs> and they're like, hang on a second. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll clear out the booth. It's fine. <laughs> Snowpiercer and I'm the train. <laughs> I would like to be in a one woman production of Evita and I'm the money. <laughs> I would like to know everyone else's feelings on the idea that I feel like part of the reactions that I think I see is that we are stuck in this weird mode that we really can't get out of where people will say that we are oversaturated with Marvel content and yet at the same time there is no patience for new content because I feel like part of the problem is you know there isn't patience for laying that groundwork and developing the Electra effect and having Daredevil appear on She-Hulk and then appear in Echo before we finally get him in Born Again. And, you know, we're in such a weird place with media where we are able to release so much content quickly and yet at the same time, stuff does still realistically take time. So it's only been a couple of years still. Like, it, it, it's only been five years this year since Endgame was released. But everyone's acting... Y- you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. I do. You know, I, do. I, I think for me, what it is, is there was patience among people for developing five white male characters over the years. We got, like... You can say Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, were the three, and then like a couple of years, yeah, where you're like, I want to see all their movies. Yeah, well, but no, the other ones are like, okay, fine, you get your Guardians of the Galaxy, and then um, maybe you get like your Ant Man, Black Panthers. Those are the ones we care about. Now we have, we are developing not only like five or six male white male characters at once. We are also doing women and people of color and all these things and they're like we are developing too many things and i think that's what they mean by saturation is that they were okay when we all got the same five people but now that we're developing more like 12 people 
they're like, oh no, it's too much. I can't. And also, why aren't you getting back to the five that I care about? And that's where we're at. You know, and another layer I want to add to this whole discussion that I think is part of the crux of what I might call even the Marvel problem is that we have patience to see things transform as culture responds to them. Part of what we saw was people start to say, holy shit, superhero movies are cool. And it was like a building feeling. People jumped on. There's no more jumping on. It's a trope. It's a genre. It's its mm -hmm. own thing. There's still mm -hmm. always detective movies. They might not always mm -hmm. be noir, but there's always detective movies. There are always going to be superhero movies at this point. We're never going to escape them. They're a part of our infrastructure. They have been since Spider-Man, Blade, and X-Men. Not since the MCU. Since Michael Keaton was sort of a weird-looking Batman. And so I think one of the yeah. things that I am proudest of is that Parts of Echo kind of clunk, but I love it. I think one of the things that's so great is Echo isn't afraid of its clunks because part of its clunks are its storytelling. The original Avengers movie, I can name 30 things horribly wrong with it. Yeah, no, it's one of the best superhero movies I can think of. Endgame, I can name 30 things wrong with it. It's one of the best superhero movies I can think of. Echo, in three hours, I can think of 30 things wrong with it. It's one of the best superhero TV shows I can think of because it's made of all of its parts. And ironically, that is kind of the point of Echo, isn't it? She's made of all of her parts. There are parts of her that are violent. Thank God they saved her family. There are parts of her that are torn about who she was. Thank goodness, because they help her escape the violence of her father. There are parts of her that are soft and feminine. And that's awesome because she got them from her mom. And these are the things that Echo taught me about not just the character, but kind of the greater Marvel universe. And I'm just so excited. I got I like we went like 30 minutes over because this is just like the best show. And like, I feel like we talked more about Echo at fewer episodes and less screen time than we did about a number of the longer shows with way more screen time. Because it feels like for the first time in a while, uh, I'm not just shrugging and going, well, I don't know what the hell is going to happen now. Uh, it does feel like even just the announcement that this has affected Daredevil uh, does make it feel like something is coming out of something else. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, you yes, know, yes. Falcon and Winter Soldier, not really my bag. Uh, kind of in... Um, like, this show might not have been my bag. If this show had taken place in New York... And had just been more like, we can't do Defender stuff for real, but we want to tell a story with Echo, which is what I thought it was going to be. Uh, I don't know that it would have been my bag, um, but the you know they included so many elements that I just love. But after Falcon and Winter Soldier ended, I just felt like, okay... I feel like we're not really going to, ironically, they talk about Madripoor in this show, but I feel like we're not really going to talk about Madripoor until the X-Men show up because it's really a Wolverine place. So that's, that's like a decade from now, you know, from when that show aired. Uh, and, you know, I there were so many things where I was like, that's cool, but I just, it's, it's great that uh, Contessa Allegra showed up, but I don't, I feel like we're not doing Thunderbolts for a while. And on and on and on. And I basically have forgotten about any of the threads on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, and nothing is picking up on them anytime soon. 
WandaVision, kind of the same thing for as much as it was the original and we all love it. It's been a long time and we have not touched WandaVision stuff. Haven't they said that we're getting the sequel? Uh, uh, Monica. There's Monica stuff and we got, and like, anytime Scarlet Witch shows up. Yeah. That movie, Doctor Strange, and that we didn't choose to watch the show beforehand. Yeah, Yeah, I really, I don't know that I can count that one given that (laughs) specific thing that happened. Uh, Daredevil flows into Hawkeye, flows into Echo, feels like it's going to flow into Born Again very coherently. And I, I'm pleased with that. I, it's one of the things that most excites me about this particular selection of stories. And to even pull back the Monica thing, I get what you're saying because it, on that level, whether it's Monica or whether it's the Doctor Strange, any fallout from WandaVision so far, even when we get Agatha, all feels very cosmic and very mystic, whereas Echo is a lot more street level. It is the Netflix Defenderverse. It is the parts of the world that were affected by um the avengers and yeah. and and you know all that like it's 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 the real and grounded world and wilson fisk is a threat that we can identify and identify how he will affect the real world better than we can identify like that lady with the weird grill who wanted to steal everyone's atmosphere or Loki with all the threads. Like these are all things that yes, affect the wider Marvel universe in really amazing storytelling ways, but they're not things that we can really understand and identify with. I charge you all to think about this because we're going to do final thoughts on echo, but uh, for next time uh, we all need to think about who our MCU at large MCU Cosmic and MCU Defenders Golden Girls would be. And if it makes it easier, you can make one Golden Girls, one Designing Women, and one Sex in the City so that you have your Ivre. But, you know, it always bo- you know it boils down to the same thing. The mean, funny one, the dumb one, the slut, and the smart one, right? It's always the same, you know, essential formula. Monica's Blanche... Oh shit, he's ready. No, Kamala is Rose. No, hold on. Dorothy. Dorothy. Excuse me. You're right. Monica is Dorothy. Yeah. Kamala is Rose. Her mother is Sophia. But Echo is Blanche. No, Echo is Sophia. Are you kidding me? No, Madison is Blanche. They're signing the shit facedest things you've ever seen. I'm uh, just saying from the Marvels, but we can do crossovers as well. I think Madison. Madison is Jenny Lewis in that episode where she turns out to be a totally evil scamming Girl Scout. <laughs> that is. So listen to me. It's loaded with red ink. You cannot talk about Fernando that way. Um, you know, one yeah. of the things that I think is so funny as somebody who speaks a small amount of ASL, like not actually, no, I can sign, but like I, I could never, uh, interpreters, they're the real talent. So um i loved getting to recognize so much of the signing in echo is accurate it uh is probably how somebody who studies a language their whole life uh feels when they see when they hear it uh but i got to see it and i've had so few opportunities in my lifetime to experience this language that i love so much asl uh is a language that i studied for like 
three or four years in school growing up. And uh, it's something that I've come back to a number of times. Um, one of the few shows that has ever shown ASL the right way is Only Murders in the Building. And that's actually hard to follow sometimes because they have cast the most beautiful man on the planet uh, to sign it. I can't pay attention to what his if hands Teddy are doing because I'm looking in his eyes. In season four of Only Murders, and we don't get to see him in one of those open Hawaiian shirts, I'm going to be mad. He should have a role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because for one of the big problems is people accuse Marvel Cinematic Universe films of over-relying on funny dialogue and big explosions. And that is a man who has sold every ounce of his emotion with his body and his hands and the way he expresses language. So that's just an opinion here. Teddy Demas for president uh, of the MCU. But I really loved all of the things that made Echo unique. And Tori, uh, I don't believe you're with us for our next segment. So I want to thank you so much for everything you've done. And um, you got five minutes. Go. Just echo off, lady. I love everything you bring to this show. You are one of my most consistent creative partners in this world. You know what you're saying. And uh, I would love to hear your overall thoughts on Echo as a show. I loved Echo. I was I was very excited. I was... Uh, I did the same thing for this that I did for She-Hulk, which was that I kept putting off the the parts of the Disney shows that I hadn't seen yet and just went, you know what? It's fine. I'll just ask Nico if I'm confused. (laughs) And I really got to just enjoy it without all the work of catching up that I normally have to do before these things. And I was really very happy. I found it to be tightly told. I felt it to be smart. Uh, well acted, well thought. I I just really enjoyed it. I particularly uh, enjoyed the moment where, uh, in the 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 part of the fight that really stood out to me was actually the point where Daredevil is has his back to her, and she throws a punch or a kick or something, and he ducks, and I was just like, we don't really get to take the the moment where the action will slow down enough for us to catch the fact that. He used echolocation to get the echo's location. And I and I know that that's the pun that I've been working towards. But it is a moment that I was like, we don't normally get to see this. We don't normally get to see Daredevil's actual power in action. And so I was very excited about that. But I'm really excited for Echo. I'm really excited for all the stuff that it's going to do for the future. And I really do feel like it's nice to feel like there's a part of this MCU where they have a map because I'm not a hundred percent sure they have a very well fleshed out map for a lot of the rest of it, especially now that they're getting that they're being told all of your movies suck. So let's cut all your budgets and go down to one movie a year. Tori, I have to ask you a major question. Hit me. You know what we're getting next is mayor Fisk, obviously. Yes. Uh, As a woman who's read devil's reign. And Mm -hmm. uh, are you currently Mm -hmm. caught up on daredevil? I, I think I might only be two or three uh, issues into the new one. You want to be on Wednesday? There's only five. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Let me... Oh, no, that should be fine. Everyone's in Florida. They'll be good. Perfect. Uh, we're going to have an insane time. We're going to look at some crazy but stuff. But it has to start after six o'clock. Deal. Deal. Whatever cool. it takes to get you on air. Um, 
how do you feel about the future of a Marvel universe where we're looking at like, I mean, anyone who knows Kingpin knows that Devil's Reign is his Doctor Doom moment. How do you feel about getting one of the greatest moments in the history of Marvel villainy portended here in a, a two minute end of show clip? I think the best thing for me is that when they announced Daredevil Born Again, that run wasn't done. You know? Wow! <laughs> so for me, like, we're coming, this show, like, Echo showed up in what, 2009 in the comics? Like, we're getting to the point where we're actually starting to line up with stuff that is very recent, which is very exciting. Less exciting for those of us who had to slog through the 60s to try to figure out what was going on, but we'll get there someday. Um, but I really do think, like, the fact that we're now seeing stuff that is very recent become very important is a testament to uh, Disney's belief in where Marvel is going and Marvel's ability to pitch what the hell they're doing to Disney. And honestly, uh, those in the know, Chips Darsky's pulse, is, it, it literally beats with what is new in comics. Um, the guy really understands how to write. Yeah. So I'm super excited um, I think it'd be really cool if at the end of it that we get Luke Cage as mayor because that's also really exciting. Um, Ooh, but yes. yeah, I'm hoping Miles' for... mentor. Yeah, let's see more Miles. Bring him in. Don't you know? It's it's gonna be really, really fun, really exciting. I think I think that politics will allow for Matt to do more lawyery stuff in his mm -hmm. little world as opposed to just being the guy flying around kicking things i think adding it bringing back in electra bringing in typhoid mary getting into that a lot more because she's so tied up into daredevil it's insane and i am the a number one fan of why isn't typhoid mary at harley quinn levels yet why 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 so I'm amped. People just don't understand talent when it's staring them in the face. How many people just said Jeff Buckley? What? Typhoid Mary is Jeff Buckley. That's what I'm saying right now. You heard it here first. Sky is a landfill. She's bonkers. She's wearing clown makeup. She's dressed scantily. She's she's banged the villain and the hero and maybe been his mother before and so many other things. Why? 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 But it's fine. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm also hoping that maybe this means we will get more intersections of seeing the street level show people show up for little cameos in the in the movies like we've seen Matt do so far. I would think that would be really great. Oh my God, I forgot about that when them. I was talking earlier. That's so funny. Yeah, the No Way Home actually I think does precede the the COVID the COVID year yeah. Disney Plus series is. Yes, but it's such a because we don't see him in the suit, our brains just kind of go, well, it's not Daredevil. This is just it's Matt just Murdock. It's just some hot guy. And I'm not, I think, yeah, I think that, yeah, they do call him Mr. Murdock. But, like, yeah. he it's could just be a dude who hasn't revealed himself yet. Like, it's sort of tough sometimes because, like, you know, I genuinely feel like uh, until maybe Tori, there was nobody who was like, oh, I want to get into Daredevil. Everybody else was sort of like, oh, you love comics. What should I read? And I would be like, here's Daredevil, X-Men, and Runaways. And they'd be like, wow, X-Men, cool, Runaways, and the blind guy. 
And so, like, it always felt a little bit like Daredevil was the also-ran. Um, this is the great age of Daredevil. This is, like, if only Frank Miller hadn't died in the 90s and were around to enjoy it. Oh, this is a joke. Okay, I was going to be like, oh, damn, I got to reassess. Um, <laughs> I've decided that the guy who protested the uh, the Occupy Wall Street protesters... I've decided that cannot oh be the man. God. Why does the Occupy Wall Street sound like Obama's tan suit when it comes to what we're dealing with today? Like, I Jesus swear. Christ. Oh. The anti-Muslim work that this man created is just so insidious. <sighs> and uh, so Frank Miller had to die to me in like 1999. That's right. Uh, what a bummer. But uh, if only he were around to see that Daredevil really is like... Yeah, it's it's a great time. And I really do think that Wilson Fisk showing up in Hawkeye was what cemented the fact that the Matt Murdock we saw in Spider-Man is the Matt Murdock from the series. Because up until that point, we weren't 100 percent sure. We really weren't. Who yep. knew? So I'm I'm very happy and I hope we see more stuff. I want to see more little Easter eggs that we used to get in the early movies where they were mentioning stuff that was in the comics that was like a wink-wink to comics, but it could now be a wink-wink to their own stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. why are we, you know, we're going to, we could have the next Marvel series come out, and there is a ticker tape under different TV sets that's like, Wilson Fisk, you know, enters primary, debate at nine, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Can't wait. Tori, we can't wait to have you back on Wednesday. We will start when works for you and, uh, <laughs> i cannot wait to talk about some amazing daredevil comics with you Yay. and uh, until then can you tell everybody where they can find your cool self you can find me on the internet at sm tory that's tory with an i i do the wonderful billy club show which will be returning at some point mm. it, uh, it will i promise it uh, will it definitely will no, no, no. We've got a million things. And, uh, you know, you can find me uh, making art at KidRideComics.com all over this channel, hanging out with my buddies. Uh, see you out there, friends. Stay safe. Um, uh, yeah. Well, we oh, already... wait. Who's our? Oh. Who's who's my... Let's see now. I'm going to do my Echo Golden Girls. Who do I want to see? I want to see... I want to see Uncle Henry be the uh -huh. slut because he's so handsome. Mm -hmm. I want to see. <laughs> we got to have Tula in there, obviously. Who's our dumb one? That's Biscuits. And then I guess uh, our, aver our average one is, yeah, let's go with Maya. She seems cranky and sarcastic enough. I love this. Uh, I mean, I keep thinking like bigger picture Marvel Universe. Like I keep putting Wanda as Rose and she's all like, huh. Wanda? Yeah, because she gets that look, and that's very Rose. Um, yeah. I love yeah, uh, sure. Echo for Sophia. Um, my slut is definitely Tosh, because I know what the fuck's up. I'm awake. And um, I think uh, there's only one Dorothy in the entire Marvel Universe, and that is Pepper motherfucking Potts. And uh, she is uh, she is not here to clean up your shit, but she'll tell you why you need to clean up your own shit. And uh, I, I can't think of anything I would love more. So, uh, Tori, it has been such a dream come true to have you with us for this. And we can't wait till Wednesday when we get to have you with us even more. And uh, until we get to talk to you about your drag race journey someday, we'll see you soon. Oh, well, bye, kids. 
Have fun. Sashay, etc. Sante, you stay. Uh, oh, but she didn't. Uh, okay. Uh, well, Jesus, gross. So, um, do either of you two uh, want to roll right into our game, or or do you have your uh, do you have your your fabulous foursomes ready? I did one already. Tate, do you have one ready, or do you want to keep us rolling? Do we want to do our bracket? Uh, I feel like Agatha is a Sophia. Oh, what a great call. I didn't even consider that. And she's got that baller show coming up. I'm so excited. I would have said Blanche, but I'm down. Mm. Yeah, no. Agatha, I think, is a, I think Agatha is a Sophia. I think the the one the person who was in the various sitcoms was often a Blanche. Uh, but that was just what she was playing to be in Wanda's sitcom world. Agatha Harkness is definitely a Sophia. Um I think I do like Monica for a Dorothy. She is a no bullshit queen. I think I maybe I could I could do Monica or uh uh Carol as a Dorothy. Um and then I like um Kamala as a Rose, not because she is uh a Rose in terms of her personal vibe but because being the younger friend often makes you the kind of sillier goofier one just by default mm -hmm. uh and then who's a blanche all they do not let the women be horny enough um no um because that's the thing uh jen is horny but she's not a Blanche. Yeah. Um, it would maybe be uh Jessica Jones. That would be a yeah. funny that would be a weird funny one to add to the mix. Yeah, because there's like a bit of a connection between the other three. Uh and then Blanche as their Jessica uh, Jessica Jones as their Blanche, yeah. I also love an angry violent take on Blanche. Like if you just make Blanche Devereaux angry and violent, yeah, that's there's there's definitely some Jessica Jones there. I so like I that. Yeah. Yeah, that's my crew. So it's Monica is Dorothy, uh Kamala is Rose, Agatha is Sophia, and Jessica Jones is Blanche. And I think they would have a lot of fun. Um that's my those are my girls. Well, I said my one for the Marvels, and I wanted to do one that was witches, but now I and realizing we don't know enough witches yet. Yeah, we don't yet know enough witches. We like barely know enough in the in the bigger Marvel universe. If you put in uh yeah, even if you put in the other shows, like you only get Nico Minoru from Runaways. Um they don't really do well, they do the Dark Hold in Agents of Shield, but there's no witches. Mm-hmm. Uh and well, you could do uh Damon Hellstrom's sister, Satana. That would be your other. Yeah, we just don't know enough. Um, but now I was thinking because you did Jess as Blanche about just Netflix Defenders Golden Girls and Colleen as her Dorothy because she's definitely someone that I wish I'd brought up at the top of uh, 
the episode as a character that I definitely want to see a resurgence of from the Netflix verse. She's someone whose name comes up a lot yeah. in headlines as having talked about Marvel, which I find very interesting. So that to me even says that there is interest. We loved her. We thought she was one of the best part of Iron Fist. Well, yeah. You know, I think that's part of what has the Marvel Universe such a big place to talk about with so many voices, with so many people. You know, I love that you guys talked about uh, when you're talking about uh, She-Hulk, and I'm sorry, she wasn't here to respond. But yeah, She-Hulk gets horny on Maine in a really interesting way. It's a humanizing thing. And I think that's part of what we're responding to. So many of the characters we're talking about are the characters that have more human traits than, let's say, a Captain America. Yeah. So I just, uh, I really loved that conversation. Also, uh, Tori, Valkyrie as Blanche. Uh, Queen Blanche, yes, please. It's all she cares about. So uh, I think if Blanche were Valkyrie, you would wind up with Margot from The Magicians. Interesting. I think that is that intersection. So uh, Fillery forever, you guys. Let's do it. We have a, a very exciting game lined up, and I can't wait to play it. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the history and the future of Marvel television by taking a look at a show from the Defender Saga, maybe with a couple of extra ones added into Hit 8, and compare it to a later Marvel Disney Plus TV show. I wanted to think about the right way to put it. I think they're all technically Disney Plus. Uh, and talk a little bit about which one had a greater impact on the future of the Marvel Universe. Not which one did we like more, or which one was better, both valid questions, and we've answered those a thousand times, and I'm sure we will as we answer these. But talking a little bit about which one more shaped the future of the Marvel Universe, and uh, I'm pretty excited to brack up some tiering. So uh, if you guys are ready, let's uh, let's shape the Marvel Universe with our opinions, shall we? All right, let me just get it pulled up. Do this for now. Look at that. I love this song. All right. So it looks like we're starting off with Daredevil versus Ms. Marvel. And this one I feel so bad. It's it's not a contest. Unless we find out that Ms. Marvel is the first major mutant in the uh, Marvel Universe. I do not know why I said that like an early Ferengi. <laughs> um, but unless we find out that Ms. Marvel is the first major mutant. This has got to be Daredevil. Daredevil literally wrote the book on how to be a gritty show later on. Daredevil all the way. I... I'm I'm not sure on this one yet. I really thought I was going to be super Daredevil, but when we take everything together, uh, Daredevil definitely showed us early on how to do a Marvel show. But things changed a lot when they went on Disney Plus, uh, and I don't know what we're looking at for the new gritty Marvel. Although we got some some idea of it with Echo, uh, Miss Marvel, I think also really influenced Echo. The thing that I was talking about earlier, where you know uh shows about other cultures really try and feature those cultures in marvel shows and i really appreciate that ms marvel influenced movies daredevil's only influenced the tv shows i don't know where i stand yet oh no i assumed you were going to just automatically vote daredevil and i was going I to protest vote uh ms marvel um 
just because I feel like Ms. Marvel currently does have so much more bearing. If you uh, dummies don't both pick Daredevil, we're going to put Tori back on this show in 10 goddamn seconds. Do you understand me? <laughs> Look, I want to vote Ms. Marvel, but uh, I will concede Daredevil <laughs> only because TK said something that pinged for me that once again, I had forgotten. Uh-oh. Uh, no, Tori, Tori might not vote with you. You're banned, Tori. And what that no. means is we're putting a rubber band around you and you can't be on the show. Tori said, I love Matt, but you cannot deny that Ms. Marvel gave us a lead in the movie. However, TK also said no movies. No. Matt Murdock was not only in a movie, but he was used in a way that was kind of integral to uh, wrap up a Spider-Man story to move us into uh, the next mo- act of that story. Very good cameo. Uh, and he was used in a goddamn Sony film, which is nearly impossible. That was one of those things. I talked on the show the other day, or recently, about um, I have that vendetta against Entertainment Weekly from 2012, being like, why weren't Spider-Man and the X-Men in this movie? <laughs> And they talked about how there was going to originally be reciprocity between Sony and uh, Disney. And we were going to see Avengers Tower in Amazing Spider-Man and Osborne Tower in Avengers. But it just didn't, like, they weren't mastered quickly enough. Um, So they've tried in the past, but this was, like, one of the first wider MCU, you know, crossovers outside of, you know doctor strange sure but this it was kind of a big deal so if you want to give it to daredevil i'm not gonna fight you cool daredevil next before there's time before there's time okay i'm uh, this is tough because i <laughs> this is a tough one because they have no influence <laughs> i disagree actually um for me the jessica jones uh, Jessica Jones went on to influence more Jessica Jones. Moon Knight is going to go on to influence how they handle Thunderbolts. Moon Knight is going to go on to influence how they handle creating characters in the comics. Uh, Scarlet Scarab has her own title now, and Jessica Jones does not. So I'm going to... Oh, God, I feel like a feminism traitor, but Moon Knight... Okay, and not this isn't this isn't gorgeous. a valuation thing. You 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 can almost be saying like it's not great that yeah. Moon Knight has okay, that great. big an it's influence. It's not great, but Ethan Hawke giving the least convincing performance since Gattaca here. Um, Moon Knight. Um, sorry, pulled it away. Um, I. I guess I agree. Uh, really, just you know, again, it's not a value thing. I I think they have not, unfortunately, listened to the lessons of Jessica Jones. Uh, but I think it's Moon Knight. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and especially because I feel like so much of the heat from Jessica Jones was from its first season. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, after twenty eight, after twenty seventeen. After Defenders was over, people really stopped paying attention to Defenders Verse. Uh, but yeah, Moon Knight will 
probably have more significant imprint. Um, no. All right, so uh, let's move on to our next one. And by the way, I love that we're kind of playing this a little faster than we play most of ours because uh, Kevo pitched a game that I am like, I, I almost like I, I'm kind of like I just want to get through this one so we can play the next game. It's uh, it's so funny. Um, I think Mike Coulter as Luke Cage is the literal porn star that every racist white man is both afraid of and attracted to. Um, and so I love Luke Cage uh, for so many reasons. But unfortunately, the Luke Cage series, other than helping to recatapult Black Mariah to being a legitimate contentious villain in the Marvel Universe mobster scene, which unfortunately TK and I find ourselves extensively reading more often than we would really like to fucking admit, um, he's had no no impact. And Mike Coulter himself has made a lot of kind of disparaging comments about the possibility of his future inclusions in the Marvel Universe. So this one's got to be What If, uh, which is great and a lot of fun. And has inspired a dozen Lego sets, but it's just not going to be Luke Cage here, unfortunately. Yeah, I do have to give this one to What If. Um, I I wish it weren't so, especially now that we're saying that the Defenders versus Canon. I feel like the big reason a lot of these are going to come out Marvel is because for a while we were just told that these shows don't have anything to do with anything. Um, but. I, the style of the Defenders verse really influenced Hawkeye. It's just I can't point to a particular show that encapsulates that. Yeah, uh, I am a huge Luke Cage defender. A lot of people are more critical of it than I am. I even like the second season. I feel like there was still a lot of merit to it. Um, maybe a lot of that was more Misty than it was Luke. I don't know. I got so, to... I really enjoyed white splaining to other white people, Basquiat. Mm. So that basically was a good bring, feeling. Bring back Misty in a what if, and we'll be square. That wasn't just Misty Knight. That was Misty Knight reimagined in a way that worked for my sake really well. Oh God, this was a great pair. Um. Okay. John Berenthal as Punisher is a, a dream come true. The guy is very handsome. Um, he made some comments at a convention we were at that he knows how important the Punisher is to certain members of law enforcement, which makes me very happy that the Punisher is now dead and replaced by a different Punisher in Marvel Comics. Um, and he gets to be in Weird World, which is kind of the dream. Good for him. Uh, that all said, inevitably, Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be the show. I think the... You know, I want you to flash to the end of Clueless. It's that level of tenderness um, that they show for Bucky in Winter Soldier. Not only has gone on to define the character in the comics in just two and a half years, but has gone on to define how they soften male characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I'm very grateful to Wyatt Russell for his part in uh, the mm. Monsterverse. Monarch. And so... You know, the Falcon and Winter Soldier, it didn't just impact the Marvel Cinematic Universe with an upcoming Captain America 4, but it's impacted the universe at large, and Punisher is pretty much just on my AO3 list still. So I think this one's got to go to Falcon Winter Soldier. Yeah, I feel like my 
My biggest complaint about Falcon and the Winter Soldier is that it was a bit too long for the villain being a bit thin, which we know there's behind the scenes stuff that affected that. Whereas the Punisher, we didn't even get to season two because season one was a little bit too much. Yeah, my fucking wife. And like, that was weird. You can't fuck my wife. My dick's way too big. Look at it. No, look at it. That was like actionable to do to the audience. <sighs> yes. Yep. I'm on team Falcon and Winter Soldier here. These are two shows, neither of which I super loved. Uh, but yeah, John Berenthal uh does not understand the punisher in the same way that i do that really worries me because he says that he's doing everything he can to come back and, and i do love to look at him so, i mean he's like... he's very beautiful but he's also like the thing i see him on most is podcasts like doing joe rogan-esque soliloquies about protein at least it's about protein uh... yeah you know, and one of the things I do just want to say about this, uh, essentially this universe, is that you can have uh, the Punisher and Captain America in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and have them never meet in a way you can't do in the Marvel Universe comic universe kind of proper. So this would be a very different discussion if we were talking about these three men as disciples of Steve Rogers in the Marvel Universe. But instead, we're getting this iteration it's fascinating to me as somebody who loves all three of these characters the way we get to discuss them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's keep. Oh, hey, Daredevil, you can have a good night. We know who's winning this side. What if he clicked Moon Knight by accident? <laughs> we would just pretend. Um, this one I got to give to What If. You know, I want to give it to What If. Um, I think I have to because of the. Uh, you know, Queen Captain Carter appearance in Mom, but if Cap 4 winds up being a big deal, I'm going to look back on this and go, what funny idiots we were. But yeah, for now, what if? Because the Lego sets are cool. This is strong protest vote for Falcon and Winter Soldier. In the spirit of the game, I feel like Falcon and the Winter Soldier will be a more significant show in the long run than what if. But we shall see. Nico, is that what you feel too? Because that would win Falcon Winter Soldier. I mean, it doesn't matter. Daredevil's going to win this side. I know that's part of where I'm. Yeah, um... I think it's. I think this is what if, because I do think that they are going to. I. When a company gets in trouble, they think about fundamental values, and that is why Lilo and Stitch is the hit that saved Disney. Because fundamental values say that a rascal with a heart of gold is more important than a plot. And Stitch outshines his film. The idea that anybody thinks that Echo is not the... This is the moment that saved the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is the moment that inspired somebody to tell a story. Or it is the moment that got some director thinking about the project they were already attached to that they can't announce yet. This is a transformative moment. And... I think that what if has that pulp to it. It has that material that's going to be used in the reimagined not Kang future. I don't believe Cap 4 will be that same thing. But I've been wrong before, you know. I 
I've been wrong before because I thought Manila was going to win Canada. I mean, um, Melinda, we're watching season three. Leave me alone. Yeah. Okay. I respect everything you're saying. Let's go into what if then. Yeah. And that means our final one is, of sure. course. Yeah, I expect matter. it to be Daredevil versus WandaVision, and we'll go from there. But well, that's me. we'll see. Let's find out in a second. This is a tough one to me. This is... I almost abstain vote. Um, but I'm going to make a statement here. Echo is a beautiful tribute to the things that came before it that re-encapsulates the identity of grit in the Marvel Universe for a more sanitized version of TVMA. She-Hulk was brave. She-Hulk was daring. She-Hulk shocked me with its humor. Uh, Megan the Stallion, girl, you haven't been this cool since a Planet Fitness commercial. Um, you know, this is She-Hulk will change what the Marvel universe allows to happen more than echo changes what the Marvel universe allows to happen. Mayor Fisk was a trajectory that they allowed echo to facilitate, but humor is something that could only come from she Hulk. This is going to be she Hulk for me. Uh, you pretty much nailed exactly what I wanted to say. I really echo, I think is actually hugely influential uh, and, and influence goes backwards too. the fact that they could pull the threads that they pulled was really important. She Hulk actually ended up pulling some threads itself. Um, but the bigger thing that it did was really show us that Marvel could do comedy. I'm about to sneeze. Hold on. No, nope, I saved only, it. Nice. And not only can Marvel do comedy, we can. I, I, I got that slap sticks up the wazoo. Um, Oh my God, go see your doctor. If you leave that slapstick up there for more than six hours. You know how what? I do. Um, She-Hulk really showed us that the format could be different. That Marvel is... Comic books aren't a genre, and superhero stories isn't actually a genre. It is a huge umbrella. Um, we've seen things like Werewolf by Night show us that they can do horror. So She-Hulk really proved that you could do a superhero story and be entirely true to its superhero-ness while being essentially a sitcom, essentially a com and like definitely a comedy, but really like a sitcom, right? Really a single camera sitcom. And I think that is ultimately going to be more influential, even if it takes them a hot minute to remember to do it. Kevo, I think we got too shulky, but uh, do you got any echo in you? Um, no, I, I really, really, really agree. Um, and the only reason I, I only wish that I could give Echo a higher ranking, like among other shows, like it's definitely higher up than Moon Knight, or it's definitely higher up than Falcon and Winter Soldier. I feel like it is incredibly significant especially in regards to it being the first Marvel spotlight. And I think really for me showing the concept of what a Marvel spotlight show can and hopefully will be, uh, I think it was great. But for this game, which is specifically, let me flash it up again. Where'd it go? There we go. 
most significant of the MCU shows and which will have the most bearing on the MCU. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I, She-Hulk, and I want more from what She-Hulk gave us and showed the potential for in a wider genre-bending sort of way. Done. You know, I had had some nightmares that you were going to put Loki up against WandaVision and I would call you the most attractive pig man I've ever met. Um, so when I saw that it was Loki Hawkeye, this was even worse somehow. And I hated you on a level I couldn't even imagine. I pick Loki with like a gun to my head. There are very few comic runs that I will ever compare to a run of Daredevil. Um, but uh, Journey into Mystery by Karen Gillan, which is the clear emotional source material for Loki and uh, Aja, Wu, and Fractions, Hawkeye. Uh, these are two of the greatest comic runs of the last 40 years at Marvel. And both of these shows do them both such justice. I pick Loki because I enjoyed Hawkeye. I sobbed uncontrollably like I wasn't some big mean dumb top blah blah blah. During Loki, uh I I love Loki. It is a show that literally reshaped the fabric of the Marvel universe on a mystic level. You just can't beat that. It's literally written into the fucking show. Hawkeye gave us Rogers the musical. Loki changed the world tree. Can't beat that. I'm voting for Hawkeye. Uh, I basically agree this with you. Fucking guy. <laughs> I basically agree with you, but I don't trust that it's actually going to pan out. Where we've already seen Hawkeye give birth to Echo, give us uh, the next step for Yelena, who's now going on to Thunderbolts. Um, we, we're going to see, uh, Haley Steinfeld in some kind of new Avengers thing. Preferably uh, like a music video. <laughs> this is all, this is all panning out more to me. So I think it is Hawkeye as of today. My hope is that it's Loki in the long run, but that's really a time's going to tell thing. <sighs> Kevin, what are we doing? We splitting this baby in half? Um, you voted Loki. Nico voted Loki. I voted Hawkeye. I this one is really specifically hard. And I apologize for struggling, just because it's hard to say what repercussions Loki can possibly have in the immediate future, while also being hard to say. Are we going to see Kate and Kamala again? Are we going to see Yelena in Thunderbolts actually anytime soon? And how significant is that going to end up being? Oh. My best friend agrees with me, so I win. <laughs> um. Oh my god, I could sit here for 20 more minutes, guys. I haven't eaten enough today, so I've just got that thousand-yard stare. You gotta focus those beautiful blue eyes. Pick one. Um, Loki, the same way we picked What If. 
For the same way and the same reasons. All right. I get you. It's the same reason the Grammy had to go to Old Country for uh, No Country for Old Men. It's just Old Country for No Men. Old Country for No Men. That is the that is the title. I meant that Oh is Brother, movie. Where Art Thou? Anyway, so I have oh, to oh, the show. Oh my God! Thank you for bringing that up, taking it all the way back. Call Tori back in. Um, Echo. One of my favorite songs of all time. I don't, it moves me in a way nothing has ever moved me in my life. I can't say wh- why. Uh, Down in the River to Pray uh, by Alison Krauss. Krauss. Oh my God. Oh. What an unbelievable. You, I sat there singing it, crying in yeah, bed. I, I couldn't even sing. I was crying too much. Um, change the topic. Seriously. Yeah, it's. It's a lot. Anyway, uh, incredibly beautiful moment uh, in crying, literally. Yeah, incredibly beautiful moment in Echo. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, if you're you're some fucking Gen Z watching this now, and you haven't seen Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Uh, it has that, and then another track where Allison Crow. It's like a super group of alt country women uh, sing songs as the sirens. Uh, anyway, it Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? A great movie. Uh, go watch that. A movie elevated by a perfect soundtrack and it's like weirdly in sepia tone right no it's is that it, just the trailer yes it looks like but, it's brown uh it's it is a strangely directed film for it sure. is strangely directed anyway it's great it's great in echo so that's fine now this is a good example of neither of them had any influence oh i disagree completely secret invasion literally told us stop worrying about those things ever again <laughs> this botched it you will never need to worry about those things again. There. I said, hey, these cool things don't know. Keep looking at me. Oh, no. I'll do a dance for you. So Iron Fist never got it up. The sex never started. Secret Invasion told you the sex is horrible and it is never happening again. But it was the person that asked you if they could do sex on you. Yes. Which is why they killed Colby Smulders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I hate when I'm having sex with Samuel L. Jackson and Colby Smulders explodes. Just you know, murdered. So wait, which one are you, which one are we going with? Oh, here? Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion told Marvel which threads to drop in a way that Iron Fist did not give them the hint. Okay. Yes, I really get that because even some of the best things about Iron Fist are very clearly like straws they were clutching at in desperation yes that weird ending with danny as the as the iron fist gunslinger partnered with ward while colleen was also half an iron fist with her sword like all of that stuff was so bizarre and then we'll never see anything of it ever again give me or fall off a bridge oh so yeah whereas secret invasion was kind of like giving the finger to everything because i you know what if maria hill is still alive i'll just laugh she's definitely still alive that will definitely just be a life model decoy when they want to use colby saunders again what she should just be the destroyer and she should have that freaky fucking mask i like that too comic books and that's fine all right Oh, WandaVision. I think WandaVision literally is the blueprint for all cerebral comic book stories going forward that aren't Daredevil. I feel really bad saying it, but nobody looks at Avengers and goes, wow, I'm smart. 
people look at Daredevil and WandaVision and go, no, I'm really smart and you should feel stupid. I drink at really cool bars. You can smell the alcohol there. It's all aerated. WandaVision V Defenders. This is a joke. WandaVision. Dang, I thought this would be harder. Nope. I think WandaVision is one of the most important TV shows ever made. I think WandaVision told you that you could be a David E. Kelly and your subject matter could be Rainbow Bright. I, Hi, owners of Rainbow Bright, I will make you the best Breaking Bad-esque Rainbow Bright show ever because WandaVision showed us that you don't need to be afraid of bright colors. They're just colors. And it showed us that you don't have to be afraid of your kitschiest things because your kitschiest things are absolutely the buffest things about you. WandaVision taught me that I know nothing about direction and it reshaped why I understand the role of a writer. You just need to stop where your job stops and let the next person start. And every step of WandaVision instructed me that TV is Watchmen. I really think WandaVision is the Watchmen of television. And I think in a lot of ways, too, these titles against each other very strongly epitomizes uh, the thesis that I put in the episode title in the first place, which is unapologetically comics. Uh, Tori says, please, Nico is gayer for Wanda than he is for math. This is never going to be tough. No, it never was. Um, <laughs> I feel like WandaVision isn't afraid or wasn't ever really afraid to be comics and go to those really wild and wacky extremes. Uh, Agatha all along and Catherine Hahn against a blue screen on a wire rig doing hex symbols. Like, it really wasn't afraid to be. Whereas Defenders was very like, there's dragons. <laughs> There's like there's like these bones. Madam Gal being like, um, but not those kinds of dragons. <laughs> no, it's 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 energy. It's not magic, magic. It's but it's magic. But shh, shh, shh. now that we've like, seen a dragon in Shang Chi, I guess they're those kinds of dragons. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I feel like Marvel disney plus era would just like show you the goddamn dragons and like mm. not apologize for the fact that they're dragons not rupologize all right i actually i i'm sold uh i was kind of going to say defenders just based on the idea that it they put pulled four shows together and made a fifth show but you guys are right i mean like I just want to ask a real quick question. Does anybody well, else remember being like 15 years old, getting really drunk and high with your friends and watching Weekend no. at Bernie's too? No. Um, I think Shang-Chi is the Weekend at Bernie's too of superhero movies. And all I want to do is watch it all the time. You're nonsense. Um, TK, the thing you have to remember about the Defenders is that it stars Sigourney Weaver and Nico still doesn't love it. I know. I mean, I'm in the same boat. It's it's very difficult. But I really hope that uh, they bring her back. Uh, I'm like kind of being facetious, but also the real the biggest one I can't lose is Madame Gao. Um, I agreed. Agreed. What a gift. I think that actor is so amazing. I mean, uh, and uh, what's his name too? Um, The master. From Doctor Who. 
Oh, Sasha oh, Dewan. Sasha Dewan. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, would also be awesome, but <laughs> I was like Owlsley. I was like John Sim. Ultimately, uh, I think it would be really fun to bring Sigourney Weaver back. Um, either way, you guys made very good points. It, it's going to WandaVision. I just uh, initially I thought it would be tougher. I'm going to have to give it to She-Hulk for this one. And it's not even a hard one for me. The reason She-Hulk beats Loki here is because She-Hulk is going to more influence the future of what people do. People are going to look at Loki and say, oh, that's a rock star run. People are going to look at She-Hulk and go, yeah, but that never hit its apex. I'm going to do a She-Hulk. She-Hulk, a thousand percent. That basically is exactly my argument as well. Yeah. Yep. Loki is inimitable, but She-Hulk was not given the room to run, and she deserved it. Loki is weirdly flash in the pan too, because (gasps) it. uh, What? No, I get. I go. go, No, Loki's breaking bad of comic book shows. Why is that? That's that. It can still be that. (sighs) Uh, What my point was that like Loki only got two seasons, uh, and it. The success, especially of the first season, was kind of a, I don't think is very recreatable. So it's difficult for it to be an influence because I think if people try and do what Loki did, it won't be successful. I agree. Uh, Where I think there's a lot of notes from, you know, like you could take a lot of the She-Hulk format and humor and elevate it and put it in New York at ESU and you will have the best Squirrel Girl show any yeah. comic book fan could ask for. Um, and so, Can you know, I, tell I, you, I think that they should just give uh, Squirrel Girl to, and now I'm forgetting the name of the channel, um, super fan and major contributor Jonah loves it. And Dropout? Smosh. Oh. oh, yeah. Smosh and Dropout. Like those sorts of channels should be the people writing a Squirrel yeah. Girl show. And yep. while Loki did a lot of really amazing artistic prestige things, She Hill took a lot of bigger swings in terms of having stuff like the Porcupine or the Matador or Mr. Miracle. Was that his name? Whichever West, the, the Great Lakes Avenger guy who fell from the window. Like Mr. Immortal. Mr. Immortal. Mr. Immortal. Uh, like, Mr. Immortal, stuff. one of the greatest Avengers of all time. I can't even but, like, That's what She-Hulk was doing. Loki did a lot of really cool stuff, but not really cool Marvel stuff. And so yep. that's why I give it to, she- to She-Hulk. And just the fact that, um, you know, Mobius is essentially its own its own iteration in the MCU is so different from somebody like Pug being his own iteration in the MCU. It's just not the same weight of character. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as Secret Invasion versus WandaVision, this is kind of a no-brainer. I'm so sorry. Samuel L. Jackson, I think you did a beautiful job shepherding and leading your own Marvel show. This is an incredible creature, but it is nothing compared to the body of work that is WandaVision, which is nine episodes that really transformed what people thought that a comic book TV show could be. The critical acclaim, the Emmy nominations, it really was a different story. And it is so, so thanks to both Elizabeth Olsen and um, Catherine Hahn delivering unforgettable parallel performances that really transformed what we thought about these actresses and elevated them on so many platforms. Couldn't agree more. Um, There's another universe where Secret Invasion was the really influential thing. Uh, Great universe. It's not this one. If Secret Invasion had tried to do mcu's version of the original secret invasion not the five issue mini that came out a few months before the show 
uh, it yes. would be it would be the thing. I'm swollen with baby at that thought. Yeah, and so the disappointment is real. I voted. Um, no, unfortunately, WandaVision. Sorry, babe. Sorry, She-Hulk. Girl, you're so hot. I love you. Drawn by Greg Horn or drawn by Greg Land. You are always a Greg lady. But uh, it's got to go to WandaVision. This is definitely the idea that catapulted the Marvel Universe into its next phase. What you think, Kevo? I don't know. What are you thinking? I don't know. Tori, what you thinking? Um, I mean, I, I get the point about WandaVision. Uh, you know, it's so funny. And uh, quantifiably, you would have to probably really give it to WandaVision. But it just feels so far away now. And uh, Thank you. So, so much of it hasn't really shown back up it's exactly yeah like i was saying earlier what ways has it shown up that are really like super influential you know uh mom what if no i know like zombies how far back is that now zombies i'm not sure that i would say that necessarily is super influential on the upcoming animated series guys pick wandavision what's happening uh i'm just not necessarily i'm not easily giving it to wandavision with no fight that's all this is uh, this is what i'm saying kevo and i are on the same page about this i back to the exact point that i made about she hulk earlier which is what swings did wandavision take that were as big as she hulk in terms of uh really putting itself on the line uh there was a wolverine reference as an easter egg in she hulk what did WandaVision have? Sword. That probably closed. I Vision think they tripped over an ottoman. Like he was Dick Van Dyke, but an android. Right. Beautiful art. The same way I said that Loki was prestige art. But what has stronger bearing on the significance of the future of the MCU at this point? They both look like fools. They both look uh, voted anything you can are you i'm just being performative honestly i do understand the argument that she hulk is a you know a humongous influence on the future of the x-men and i do not know that there could be a the marvels without both she hulk and wandavision obviously wandavision so heavily contributed uh by virtue of uh, Monica, but I do think one of the things that She-Hulk gave us is a sense of whimsy that allowed for something like that end credit sequence that, you know, and absolutely to Tori's credit, Evan's, Evan Peters appearing in WandaVision, that bigger picture of the Fox first appearing in WandaVision. I don't know. Okay, maybe uh, fine. Well, and I have a bigger oh, WandaVision. I picked WandaVision. I was no. right in the first place. <laughs> I have a bigger question, too, because I see this is the end of this bracket. So are these two duking it out for the potential for gold against Daredevil? Or is this silver and bronze anyway? Is also a question that I would love us to know. Because we're down to our top three. I know Jen Walters personally, and she always tells me that bronze is her favorite color. Pick So one. when I, Kevo, I like that. When we finish this up... 
we will have a top four, and I would love to like take a second to rank them. Um, but yeah, this is the whatever whatever wins this goes up against Daredevil. So is anything winning against Daredevil at the end of the day? Kind of same question as before. Yeah, no, no, I, I don't think. Well, actually, that's not true. If you put Wandavision up there, I would vote for Wandavision over Daredevil. That's my point. It should be WandaVision versus Daredevil. That's the ending I want. I'm Wanda. Give me what I want. <laughs> what I started the fucking episode. Oh with. my god! Give the prince Psychos. his candy. Give the prince his candy. Give the yep. prince his candy. There yep. you go. Uh, and I oh, said it. Oh, I said it before, so I'm saying it now. My vote is for WandaVision. Get in, losers. We're going shopping. Uh, the answer is Daredevil. See, and now you're against each other anyway God. because he says Daredevil. All yep. I wanted was to go to a death match with my partner and have it decided by another partner. That's all I fucking wanted. All right, God. well, Kevo, so hard. Well, uh, Reverend Tom, is this Wandavision your final final vote? Then is this Daredevil versus Wandavision? Which I am yeah. fascinated by that being Tasty Cake's vote. If that this is, is Daredevil versus Wandavision, my vote is definitely for Wandavision. Uh, and I am at peace with however this turns out. Uh, I go back to my original vote of Ms. Marvel versus Daredevil. <laughs> That's what I vote. I vote Ms. Marvel to win the day. Um, gosh, what a great, and what a great top four. Two, the fact that it's Daredevil, She-Hulk, WandaVision, and what if. Uh, I think it's interesting and significant that Daredevil is the top most defender, for sure. Well, I mean, you know, when you think about the Defenders character lineup, even if you take into consideration so many of the elements that make Luke Cage such a premier hero, Daredevil is the character that it appeared first in 1964 he you know predates any of the other defenders by at least five or six years it's a pretty slam dunk uh yeah and it was always sort of daredevil and his friends tori says wandavision has the bigger influence for the wider mcu yes tori uh, it, it sounds like the audience is leaning wandavision uh from what I, from what i'm hearing i wonder uh what yeah, the country voted for Trump too. So I wonder what I was going to say. Choice is going to be if he chooses to contribute. Um, I uh, think I think uh, by referring to it as a Wanda's choice, if you will, he he said that the choice is really Wanda's here, and I think Wanda would agree with me that it's uh, Daredevil. You know, I think it is. Um, <laughs> I think she would say. You heard it here, folks. No winner. Kevo, uh, you well, gotta wait. make uh, the call. I just no, want to say, I'm... the last person that had to make this call made the wrong call, and Jessica Jones beat the shit out of Wanda instead of Daredevil at the behest of the Purple Man, and that is literally the thing that made Alias a comic. So this so actually is... Is what I'm hearing. This is an age-old debate. Uh, this actually is one of the most famous fights in comics. <laughs> uh, I like to defer to the audience when we get enough hot answers from the audience in a situation like this. Um, and it seems Tasty Cake is ordering a cheeseburger, small fry, and a large orange drink with a side of WandaVision. All right. 
from the audience. Here's what I will say. If Kevo cannot make a choice and Tori says Wanda and Jonah did use Wanda in his example, and Kevo, you're having a little trouble making a choice. I do think it sounds like the greater majority has voted against me. <laughs> Fools! And um, we if will... Said, if, you, if you let She-Hulk be the one to go up there, I would have said Daredevil. Well, you know, the whole universe can lick my baguettes because... I'm going to go carbo load on some delicious food after this and just lick my wounds in defeat. I really thought I had rigged this. The daredevil would win fucking hell. So, so I, I'm going to say WandaVision's gold daredevil. Daredevil is silver. What if is the bronze and she Hulk is the uh, third runner up. Ugh, I would even say just really. I don't. I say what if is third runner. Okay. You know, I put what if in last place. Um, you know, I think I think that She-Hulk is going to influence writers in a really important way. I think She-Hulk is going to have a dynastic rule by virtue of its tone in a way that what if is not going to be able to engage because what if sort of suffers from uh, from Black Mirror syndrome, which is when you reach for so many interesting ideas, you can't be defined by just one. I know my favorite episode of Black Mirror is San Pellegrino, which I know is not its name. And that's okay. Um, you fool, it's UC Santa Cruz. Oh my God, which everybody knows is just like an extension of the campus. So um, anyway, I I accept that WandaVision is the most important TV show in the history of the Marvel Eve. I do want to say that there are six TV shows we left out and I don't even really want to say their names, but I'm going to say them really quick, like uh, the seven curses and Harry Potter. Uh, I'm only going to say six because obviously the seventh curse is JK Rowling. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, Inhumans. Oh, shit, he's doing it. Yeah. Okay, Agent Carter, Inhumans. Uh, Runaways, uh, Cloak and Dagger. They were never worried about being popular, don't worry. And then Hellstrom. Uh, those are the six shows that we left out because Marvel also thinks they don't matter. Thanks for making our lives easy. Um, I had a great time. Real fucking great episode. Great uh, co-hosts with uh, Tori coming in. What a great pinch hitter. Jonah being in the comment section all episode long. What an unbelievable opportunity to interact with one of our major contributors in a unique way. A real pleasure for us. Uh, I love Echo, I love Daredevil, and I love uh, MCU TV. And this has been a great two hours. How do you guys feel? I was so happy to talk with you guys about Echo. I had so much fun. Uh, and I love the bracket, too. But um, getting to also have Tori on. We haven't had Tori on in far too long. Way too and, long. Uh, this was just a really great show that I did not have high expectations for. Uh, more because of Marvel. Again, my, my, my beef is so often not with the creators but with the distributors and the execs and the money people uh and this time around everybody did their job right and my hope is that it's a sign of maybe some good things to come thank you all right guys well until tomorrow we come back to talk about the wrong drag race elimination <laughs> wrong choice um, although the bottom, the bottom two was the it was the wrong bottom two. I don't want to talk about it. No, tomorrow I want to talk about it. We will yeah. talk about it. Uh, we still have to catch up on Untucked, I think. So, oh my god, right? Yeah. So, uh, That'll be interesting. About 
22 and a half hours to hear me have opinions about the bottom two. Uh, but until then, man, this was such a blast. Kevin, where can everybody find you online producing the most beautiful show with the most unbelievable graphics, videos, and audio? You craft this show so perfectly. I am so grateful to all of your unbelievable production work. Where can everybody find you on the interwebs doing this? Thanks. I try. Uh, I love doing it. <clears throat> and I'm glad we got to talk about this show. It was a lot of fun. I am excited about whatever is coming next. Uh, and you can find me over on the socials at Kevo Really. That's K E V O R E A L L Y. Teak, where can the folks at home find you, sir? Wait, hold on. What? I'm Miley Cyrus. I need to give him his flowers. Um, he, you know, TK, one of the things that this show always lacked was the voice of a director. I can write as much as I want, but I don't know how to give this voice any kind of vision. And uh, Kevo is director of photography or cinematographer or whatever the fuck we're calling it now. Thanks. But uh, without a director to really focus this vision, without somebody to say, no, that's that's four and a half hours of script and we have about two hours and 28 minutes. Shut the fuck up. This show just wouldn't exist. And I just, you know, we always give Kevo the praise for being the director of photography. But I just want to make sure that your voice for being director is shined on because it really does. It really does make the show what it is. And, you know, we're always so grateful for the unique voice that you bring us. Well, thank you. That is very sweet. Uh, and I would direct you over to TK Elemental if you want to talk to me about anything. Uh, show founder and all around extraordinary artiste and musician. Wait, hold on. I just, I, I could probably describe myself a little bit better. So I yeah, think I no one's going to give me flowers better than Nico. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, uh, everything. He, I just didn't want to hear any praise for me. Um, so I just wanted to cut him off. But uh, I love making this show for you guys three times a week, every week. You guys can find me at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And until next time, we got six things you got to do. Three are pretty basic. Like, comment, subscribe. Thanks. You're all uh, you're all kings, queens, and all kinds of royals in between. Uh, look at me. I'm a prep commercial. And then the other three things I need you guys to do. Uh, number one, stay safe. The world's kind of spooky, but uh, I know you guys can beat it. Number two, I want you guys to be brave. That is the coolest thing you can do. Just fight the good fight every day. And number three, evolve daily. You're going to love who you are tomorrow. And until then, uh, we'll see you.